should <laughs> never let us off, baby. It's gum damn. We rock. Stay tuned. Just stay tuned. Don't miss nothing. It's gonna be like a Mike Tyson fight. Don't even go get nothing to drink. <laughs> Y'all see our promos? We hitting hard. <laughs> Alright everyone, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ, and so uh, Gundam is now officially uh, eligible for early retirement, part of the Social Security plan. This is episode 63, so we can take, um, you know, reduced pension now. Uh, Where's my applesauce? <laughs> Just Where? put it in my IV. Where's my tea? Um, but um, this is uh, episode... I swear on my pants again. <laughs> Where's my robot? Um... Uh, this is episode 63 of Gundam, and like always, I am joined here by uh, Chris and Solbro. Guys, hello. Sup, gang? Hello. Where's Chris? This is Emperor Palpatine, isn't it? No, this is Chris. <laughs> what makes you think I'm Emperor Palpatine? Well, you sound like a shriveled old, up old guy with a prune face. Chris has got a, a more distinct voice than you do. Are you playing? Are you playing? Are you doing Jedi mind tricks or Sith mind tricks on me again? There are no Sith mind tricks. Move along. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you do this to these little boy, little boys, young Asian boys. <laughs> these are not the young Asian boys you're looking for. You have better things to do. <laughs> oh man. So how's it going, Emperor? Pretty good, all things considered. Uh, October's coming up. Are you a big beer drinker? Yes, I drink the best Sith brew there is. What would that be? Is it? It's made from the blood of war orphans. <laughs> Younglings. Is it? Is that from? Uh, is that? Is that from the uh, Hate Brewery? <laughs> yes, it is. It's brewed by a very angry man. Who steals each bottle with his hate. Uh, Emperor, did you see that there's a, you know, there was a poll on Mecha Talk. I don't know if you've ever been there before, and uh, a lot of people really dig your appearances on the show now. Uh, do you have anything to say to those, uh, any of your fans out there? I am not in first place. All of the infidels who did not vote for me will be electrocuted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, when, dude? So, 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 what, what, um, is there anything you would do for your fans if you get into first place and we finish up the voting and you're, and you're number one? Offer them immortality if they choose to become evil. That's right. And save people that could die possibly from something in the sometime future, um, preventing them from dying, right? Yes. <laughs> Well, well, Emperor, it's 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 good to hear from you. I was wondering, um, it, it it is Sunday, and usually Saturday night's a big night for drinking. Um, is uh, is Dennis around? Uh, <laughs> what are you talking to me? <laughs> hey, Dennis, it's it's three forty four in the afternoon. Are you just getting up? What culture? <laughs> what are you? I, I could just imagine. I wish this. Uh, I know one of our listeners is wishing we were a video podcast. I actually would wish we were because I'd like to see what what state Dennis is. I, I still I still picture a man 
with dirty clothes with a half-eaten cheeseburger next to him, uh, passed out in the corner, smelling like um, uh, like sprinkler water. <laughs> Is that pretty accurate? <laughs> you forgot the toilet water part. <laughs> so, Dennis, uh, how's it going? I know with October coming up, I know you're a big drinker, so you must be loving the fact that Oktoberfest is coming up soon. You don't know the meaning of Oktoberfest. <laughs> and what would that be? Is it the same as culture? Or is Oktoberfest the culture? Do you think Earth has the best Oktoberfest? Bullshit. You don't know the meaning of the word. <laughs> <laughs> well, from what I hear, Germany's got the best Oktoberfest. Dennis is going to embed himself into Germany. The narrow-minded human view. Obviously... <laughs> Never tried Zentradi Oktoberfest. Oh, really? What's that like? I've never been off planet, so um, forgive me. I, I know you're a more cultured person than I, but um, their it? beer is scaled according to their size. Go, oh, so you just jump in. It comes in pints? <laughs> I mean, gallons? <laughs> so you're like Bob McKenzie in Strange Brew. You just jump in the vat of beer and drink it all. Nice. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably your favorite movie, isn't it, Strange Brew? Or is it because they're, it's Canadian beer, so you probably hate Canadians? My favorite movie is Macross 2. <laughs> Starring Dennis. <laughs> you never got top bill in that movie. I don't understand why. Why are you talking to me? I need to go drink. <laughs> All right, Dennis. Thank you. If, if, you, uh, if you can, if Chris is there, put him back on... Uh, on the line for us. We definitely would love to hear from him. He doesn't know the meaning of culture. Yeah, I know. None of us do. But um, if you could just do that for me, it'd, be, it'd really make things great. And He could finish up recording and you could go back to sleep. <laughs> hey, guys, what's going on? <laughs> Man, how do you do it with those guys? You know, it's like uh, when you're stuck sitting next to an annoying person in school. Yeah. You can't get away from them no matter what you try. Mm -hmm. It's like that. Do you, you must carry like a bottle of Febreze around and probably just spray Dennis when he's not looking. Because I, I imagine he just he just reeks of alcohol, cigarettes, and toilet. Oh, this guy just wakes up in his own filth every day. <laughs> Yeah, I don't stale. just mean vomit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then he goes off and gets his news story, right? Because uh, he's, a, he's a hell of a journalist, that one. Yep. He's, he's a guest writer right now on uh, Miami Herald, isn't he? <laughs> That's why he's in town. In the yeah, I, I heard he was visiting Guantanamo. <laughs> he's, in the, he's, he's doing the culture, the culture pieces. <laughs> he's, he's doing the culture pieces at Camp X-Ray. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, how you doing, Chris? And uh, Solbro, anything before we uh, jump in the news? Any? No, I'm ready for the news. Did you news, make any man. guest appearances anywhere? Any podcasts that need to I actually, be done? I, I did. I um, again. Yeah. Uh, God, again. you're such a podcast whore. Hey, man, I just. No wonder I do, it takes forever for stuff to get edited. I do what you're I can. You're on other podcasts all the time. <laughs> That's another uh, story in itself. But uh, nobody's uh, knocking down my door to do podcasts. Oh, yeah, oh my I know. God, um, I was on the uh, S. I was on the, the Ass Backwards podcast or. SSAAPodcast.com. Uh, we talked about Capcom. Big, big surprise. <laughs> we talked about the history of. Why didn't, you, why didn't you ask Austin to be on there? Oh uh, well, you know, maybe that'd be the maybe that'd be the counter report, the, the counter um, point counterpoint there, right? Point counterpoint. Maybe next episode they'll have Austin on there. I don't know, but we talked about uh, the history of Capcom's games. And you know how uh, you know how Stephen Colbert and John Stewart are doing those mock uh, those mock uh, rallies in in Washington. Yeah, man, the I rally can, to restore I think, sanity. I think you should do that. The Capcom, let's, the Capcom rally. Yeah, let's do this. What? March uh, wow. keep the cap and Capcom. Have me lead the Capcom rally. Have someone else lead the SNK rally. It'd be awesome, dude. Let's do it. Let's do this. October thirty first. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> 
everyone that loves Capcom, go and the rally to restore Capcom. The best thing about it will be is if this rally ever happened, you'd mm -hmm. see a guy in a car hanging out there throwing eggs at you, and it'd nice. be Austin. Keep SNK alive. <laughs> Bring an SNK shirt. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I want to thank those guys for having me on. And um, if anything, check them out at uh, ssaapodcast.com. You got a really great podcast there. Awesome. Thank you, Doc. Doctor, I should say, and the gang. Right. You know, I think, I think Sober, you should set up a website like allsoberospodcast.com so that way you can chronicle every single podcast <laughs> here on this one. Hey, man, it's probably the last podcast I'm probably going to be on in a while. Since so. you seem to be in such high demand. I know. <laughs> Well, this this is something where my my expertise. You know what, came Chris? I got a feeling some of these podcasts might be part of the Hopers and Dreamers movement. So I'm sure that's why they're not asking you and I are on there. That may be true. Yeah, might be. I don't know. Would would destroy all podcasts qualify as Hopers and Dreamers? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that was a long time they're, ago. They're the opposite. There's you know haters and flamers. God, if people think we're bad, <laughs> listen to those guys. Holy crap! But um, yes, lots of news here, and uh, this is going to be uh, a, a different type of episode. It's actually going to be a, a one segment episode that we're going to be doing, and technically a two segment episode. Well, technically two segments, but it's it's of one the same topic. Thing. Yeah, and two segments. Um, we are doing a catch-up, uh, just like past listeners real remember our catch-ups for Double uh, O, Code Geass, Macross Frontier. Well, we did a catch-up. We're doing a catch-up on the mailbag. Cause, uh, what about our mustards for, for Macross Frontier and Code Geass? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, the mustards... It, sometimes it was like uh, having a bunch of mustard in your mouth going through those things. So uh, the bitterness. But um, Hey, uh, don't talk shit about mustard. Yeah. Well, it can be good depending on what flavor it is. But um, so we'll be doing – Chris is going to be catching up on the mailbag because I'm sure you guys know uh, we were about four months behind. And we still love the fact that people were asking questions, but we wanted to make sure in the next episode some of the questions would be a little bit more uh, – a little bit more up to date. And we're not asking things about – I think – one question we'll probably be going over is talking about the the release of volume one of unicorn so yeah you know how old that stuff some of those questions are so um we just like want to thank everybody for their submissions and um we will be uh getting to that in a moment but first we have news and lots of news first one here is from our friend dolo and uh this is uh from the anime's news network and all those people that have iPhones, um, there's going to be a cool new app that's going to put um, uh, some manga for the North American iPhones. And uh, it's from manga pioneer Shotaro Ishinomori and such stuff uh, as Kami Rider and Cyborg 009. And um, they're going to add some works from Harlequin Comics for a total of 100 titles by next spring. And the first chapter wow. of each title will be free. And then subsequent chapters will be a buck each. So that's that's kind of cool. Not bad. Yeah. So um, <laughs> that, right. that is great. And, um, you know, there's going to be uh, some more stuff in here. Um, there's going to be some more works by uh, Ishinel Mora. Um, going to be adapted in some live action and computer graphic films in Hollywood in 2012. So um, all those people that love their live action anime, hey, hey. you got some coming. <laughs> so, um, and kind of staying in within the, the thing of, and I thank Mr. Dolo for his submission, coming in with some uh, additional uh, ro uh, phone, cell phone news. Uh, this is from uh, Some Kind of Robot, and this comes from Crunch Gear, and uh, a new Gundam phone oh. is going to be available in Japan. And, Sweet. And uh, 
their number Japan's number three mobile carrier, SoftBank Mobile, of now added a Gundam themed cell phone to its lineup. It's one of the you know, of course, Gundam's one of the most famous anime series out there, and the headset is geared towards the fans of that series. Technically, it's based on some sharp foam, but it's not. The problem with it, it's not really a smartphone, but it has some pretty cool features. It's got a three-inch uh, VGA display, a 12-megapixel camera, video recording in 720p, a digital TV tuner, Wi-Fi. It's waterproof, has Bluetooth, an HDMI interface, GSM, and two-way stereo microphones. So it's a pretty, pretty badass phone from some of the features. It's just not really a smartphone. Wow. But, uh, yeah, t check on uh, the link in the NEO's Listener Submitted News article site. And, uh, of course, it's in the Federation um, motif right now. So all you... Uh, all you uh, uh, Xeon apologists. Yeah, Xeon apologists and stuff. <laughs> um, you know, nothing Who think fascism is awesome. Yeah, nothing for, the, uh, for, for the, the genocidal maniac at heart there. So um, I'd nice. like to thank Mr. Some Kind of Robot for his submission. And uh, this next... This next article is kind of great, and I'm going to give credit to both guys. And this is because really um, one of the one of the articles actually contains both stories within it. And um, this is going to be from Brent Noir and Flame X. Oh, and uh, this is very funny because why not just credit them as Vent X or Flame Noir? Yeah, <laughs> or Noir X. Who's got time? This is from the Anime News Network. And there's a new uh, game coming out called Gundam EX versus Gundam, mm -hmm. and the the opening song is done by. Drum roll, please. Anyone? You guys, know? crawling in my skin. Yes. If you could not get enough of Lincoln Lincoln Ball Z, they're actually gonna Lincoln Parks. The Catalyst theme song is gonna be on the opening, um, uh, uh, the opening piece of the video game. And also, uh, the Catalyst is from the band's first new, first uh, their newest album called "A Thousand Suns," mm -hmm. and the uh, the album shipped in Japan, and it had a, the deluxe box had a an HC HGUC one one forty four of the Gundam um, GP one full vernier. Wow. It's called the Lincoln Park edition. And it's <laughs> ugly. Yeah. Ouch. And, it, and what's pretty funny is um, if you go to uh, the link that these guys had put on there, yeah. um, there's actually a picture in Anime News Network, and it's guy, it's all the guys from Lincoln Park and Federation. I was going to say. And Federation. Um, Federation uniform from 0083. Yeah. 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 In, front of, uh, in front of the Gundam. Which, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a wild looking picture, man. I, I, I didn't. I, I can't knock it. I didn't realize those those guys were that diehard into Gundam. I know that some of their videos feature Gundam models. Yeah. But you know the fact that you know they're, they're probably they're probably pretty psyched that 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 their song is in in that game. I don't know. I mean, I, I just find it funny. I just find it funny that mm -hmm. um, Lincoln Park, after all the AMVs uh -huh. that Lincoln Park has been part of unwillingly that um <laughs> now it's the reality yeah now, now it's the it is reality, the reality. so uh thank you mr vent noir and flame x congratulations to lincoln park <laughs> yeah they need the help because they're not it's kind of hard to do the same music you did eight years ago hopefully it's just hey you know song. i mm -hmm. i think i think their music sucks but uh you know i give them props for being uh huge gundam fans and yeah not being afraid to show it yeah i don't think they i don't think they suck i think their first two albums were okay but um they're kind of unfortunately stuck i think in the early 2000s <laughs> musically 
but that's beside the point. This isn't um, music talk with uh, Solbro and Chris. Oh, I'm not a big I'm not a I'm, I'm not a big fan of Lincoln Park, but um, I, I commend them for being you know out of the closet Gundam fans. I think that's really cool. And you know it's 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 well yeah, looking at this some... picture. I wonder what's in their closet. <laughs> Lots of cosplay, man. I wonder if I wonder if the drummer and the singer reenact. Uh, you're not my father. <laughs> you hit me. Not even my father hit me. Hey, I'd like to interview him for Gundam someday. Maybe, maybe one of these years. Yeah, we should try to get. To these you keep, guys. you keep hoping and dreaming. I know, I know. They'll, they'll keep laughing at that thought. So, <laughs> well, nothing to do you, with that Vendor guy. Thank you, and Flamex, for your submission, <laughs> your double submission. Um, the next one is from one of our fans, uh, Jabman zero two five. Ho ho! Defender of destiny. <laughs> See his new show. And this new fall season, Jab Man, yeah, I, of I, Destiny. Uh, I think I'm going to give him that as a custom title on Mecha Talk. <laughs> <laughs> He's made it. Yeah. <laughs> watch, uh, watch on uh, local syndication. In fact, I'm doing that right now. Watch on uh, local syndication, the power block of Jab Man, Defender of Destiny, uh, with Judo and the Junkyard Kids, nice. featuring Bill Cosby. <laughs> so... I just hope we don't get the, uh, what is it, the Black Revolution, or the, what, what are they called? NAACP? No, uh, the Black Crusaders. <laughs> just hope they don't come after us. But um, this next one here is from the Anime News Network again, and on actually some more depressing music news and tied with, um, with anime, um, mm -hmm. Steven Tyler. You guys know who Steven Tyler is. He's responsible yeah. for Liv Tyler. Right. Um, and he's responsible. Best thing he ever did. Yes, sir. Well, the early, uh, everything, yeah, early everything Aerosmith, from 1976 back of mm -hmm. Aerosmith, good. From 76 on, eh, uh, not so good. <laughs> so um, now he's that American Idol judge. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Those guys survived drugs and all that stuff, and they've like recently broken up. Uh, from what all accounts it. What it is, because he just became, I guess he became a crazy diva Ooh. dude. But um, he's going to sing uh, a th the theme for the live, live action Yamato. Really? Yes. Wow. Uh, he wrote the song Love Lives. It's specifically for the film. And the single is going to go on sale in Japan on November 24th. So get your pre-torrents ready. Nice. And um, he had received the official offer from the... Yamato production staff. He looked over the English translation of the script, the production materials. He responded to the Yamato's theme, I want to protect the ones I love, and agreed to do the, th the song. And, of course, um, you know, the, we know that the live-action Yamato is going to be coming out sometime next year. So, so uh, basically for, Armageddon soundtrack, um, Armaged the Armageddon soundtrack part two. <laughs> well, that was Aerosmith. Oh, yeah. well, You've got to remember, when guys branch off sometimes... Mm -hmm. Can, can be completely different than what we were used to oh, yeah. when they were in bands. We'll see. So um, that that is, uh, thank you, Mr. Jab Man. Defender of Destiny! <laughs> thank you for your submission. <clears throat> uh, another article here, and this comes from Collection DX. Uh -oh. And this is from Mr. Rodimus, or from uh, Submitters Furious Rodimus. And this is really cool. You want to check out his uh, link here. Uh, but there is a 1-3000 perfect transformation SDF Macross, the Dural type, that's being released. And um, it's really cool. I mean, the pictures of it are pretty damn cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really cool there. And it's going to be due in December, and it's going to be for 34,440 yen. 
and it's a one, one, one three thousandth scale version, and it's made of ABS, POM, and zinc alloy, and it comes it comes in the four hundred millimeter long fortress mode, and it's pretty nice. So there's no word on the television version, but um, you know, Daryl was pretty good. I kind of like that show. So um, kind of huh? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, got a new. A new, actually, this isn't a new submitter, but he's uh, he's hasn't submitted in a while. Um, Solbro Ryu, do we know this guy? Oh my Chris? God, who the hell is that? Who is? Who is like this? some loser. <laughs> but uh, uh, Solbro actually brought up the fact that in the Tokyo Game Show, there's going to be a new um, Steel Battalion, mm-hmm. and there's going to be some uh, custom controller. I wonder if it's going to be as crazy as the original Steel Battalion is, where you had all that crap going in there. <laughs> and every time I tried to play that game, I, I, I didn't know what was going on. Before I knew it, I had to eject. That's how frustrating that game was. The game that <laughs> it's if like, you... wait a second. I didn't even know I was starting. I'm dying? The game is, if you die, you have to start all the way over. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no save points, right? Unless you eject it out of the suit. There's <laughs> no save points. So uh, that, that, was, that was released. It's called uh, Steel Battalion Hemi Armor for the Connect. Mm-hmm. So definitely the uh, Xbox. Uh, oh, man, I wish Austin was on here. Oh. God, the, the battle you two would have right now. The fact that you submitted something that's, that's a... Xbox a Microsoft uh, Xbox only thing, him the <laughs> and and Capcom no less. Yeah. Oh, oh man, <laughs> him, the prote- him the protector of the PS3 and uh, you know because Sony needs protection. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> but um, and uh, but thank you, Mr. Solbro, for your submission. It was oh, you're so welcome. Well worth it. So definitely check it, the article's got pretty good length to it. So you d- you definitely want to check it out. And I just and anybody that's uh, a fan of those games, um. Yeah, because that was like what a two or three hundred dollar set back in the day. Oh yeah, and now you that, don't... that was original Xbox, wasn't it? That was original Xbox, and yeah. you had to have a, a peripheral that um that was just clunky, and you only could use it for one game. I guess their intention was to uh to make more, but it didn't sell very well. And why would it? Yeah, the, the controller cost a freaking king's ransom. So and it played like know. crap, and it did. Yeah. Um, I, and, and there's a little bit of more news from Tokyo Game Show. I don't know if you guys know, but they announced a remake of a specific game that I know you and um. Our friend Bill Whipton um, are, are quite fond of, uh, of this company. You know Treasure, right? Yeah. All right. Well, um, Ikaruga. The predecessor to Ikaruga, Radiant Silvergun, wow. is coming on to Xbox Live and I believe PSN. I'm not sure. So se- if you have a copy of Radiant Silvergun, oh, yeah. sell it now. Sell it now. Because don't <laughs> do what I did with Marvel vs. Capcom 2. It won't be worth anything after that comes out on yeah, direct download. Exactly. Holy and, crap. And the game looks gorgeous. It looks more like, um, oh, man. it looks a lot like the, the uh, more like, you know, graphically like Ikaruga. And um, it's going to be a hell to go through that game because I remember playing it and the game was freaking mine. impossible. So well, it won't be a hell to me since so far it seems like it's XBLA only. Oh man! I, I, hopefully it'll come to um, all the systems. I don't see why they would they not allow that unless they have like some kind of exclusivity contract with Microsoft. But that might be the case. But um, we're one step closer to the Guardian Heroes. That's all I know. That's all I know. Come on, Treasure, let's do it. And um, <laughs> so and last um, article here, and this mm-hmm. is kind of bizarre, disturbing, and just out and out weird all at the same time. Right. But this comes from a poster Kosh, and I believe this is uh, a, a young female listener of yes. uh, Gundam. She is. And um, I don't know how to go about this, but um, Pedo Bear, you've heard of him. Not Pedo Bear North or Pedo Bear South, right? Mm-hmm. She has a link here, and I guess this is kind of appropriate, but it's also a little bizarre. 
but I can kind of understand why they're doing this. Um, and this is from Gawker.com. Uh, California police are warning parents of pedo bear. <laughs> and if you go to the link, they actually have, you know, you know how you have those, um, like at your job, some jobs you'll have like your information center that'll have like, um, you know, minimum wage is this, those posters. Yeah. Well, they created posters and, um, you got to take a look at these posters. And the first, the first one has got on top of it a seemingly innocent menace, an introduction to pedo bear. And uh, it shows what pedo bear looks like, and it shows some guy at Comic-Con dressed as pedo bear <laughs> giving out free candy to children. Oh. And um, it's talking about, like, what the, you know, what the real, you know, how some of the, I guess some of these people are degenerates mm -hmm. um, that do this. And... Um, yeah, so definitely take a look at this. Um, I'm wondering if uh, Pedro and and uh, <laughs> and Peter, or I know Peter definitely doesn't want to be called Pedo Bear now. <laughs> hey, he's okay. He's uh, he's on the other side of the border. Yeah, oh, yeah well, that's he, right. That's don't right. come to the U.S. <laughs> he, could be, bar, he could bar from entry like Paris Hilton did in Japan. No, knowing knowing Peter's luck, he'll have the only he'll, he'll have the only border border patrol guy that's a, a listener of Gundam. Oh. Oh, and no. he sees him crossing the border and be like, hey, Destiny Gundam, <laughs> Pedo Bear North. Too old. But, um, yeah, so definitely take a look at that. I guess that'll be our PSA mm -hmm. uh, for this. Uh, so we filled the, the quota that the federal government requires of, um, of networks, even though we're not networkized. So go. that's the news. And I'd just like to thank everyone for their submissions. And like always, if you um, uh, have anything, just uh, go to the NEOS listeners submitted news article site to put some stuff up there and uh, we'll be looking forward to it and but before we get back because since this is going to be the segment is the segments are about the mailbag we won't be having a mailbag but to replace <laughs> the mailbag we have everybody's favorite thing straight talk express what and uh the, yeah i heard the engine idling oh man and you know because we're getting cl close to the the wire and campaign season here in the states so the, the, the straight talks that it's it's going in and out because uh, we tend to lease it during the week, mm -hmm. you know, to uh, the to hopeless political people trying to hopeless. secure things. <laughs> so, um, but Chris is Chris has got custody of the keys and he's been sitting there uh, letting it idle. And uh, Chris, time time for you to come out with uh, Straight Talk Express. You haven't done it in a while, so um, we want to hear what you got to say. Well, I, I had to steal it back from some teabaggers, so. Did you get all the Did you get all the witch stuff out of there? All the witchcraft books and crap. <laughs> yes, I did. And then the satanic altars and whatever assorted things that you hear about. <laughs> teabaggers are sometimes involved with in in the indiscretions of their youth. So uh, my uh, little comment today uh, relates to TGS, as Sobro mentioned, mm -hmm. and it relates to a subject that I'm sure he's familiar with, which is um, the recently announced rebooting of devil may cry oh no what i, I didn't hear about this <laughs> so the reason i bring this up is because the response to this has uh, reminded me of some things that you see in anime because you know anime and game fandom has a huge amount of crossover yeah, yeah. and unfortunately anime and game fans are some of the whiniest bitches there are on this planet <laughs> and uh, i'll relate uh, what happens with Devil May Cry and, you know, how it relates to um, some things that we've seen elsewhere. Right so there's a reboot 
of Devil May Cry that's being made by Ninja Theory, the European developer who made uh, Heavenly Sword on the PS3 and who is also releasing now Enslaved on uh, 360 and PS3. Right on. So they show off a trailer. But this Dante is not the Dante that you're used to. Instead of the white-haired pretty boy, mm-hmm. it's sort of a more realistic-looking, meth-addict punk rocker. <laughs> okay. does not have white hair. Okay. And instantly, the reaction was massive bitching everywhere. Wow. Mm. We'll say, oh, this is going to be terrible. Oh, this isn't Devil May Cry. That's not Dante. Where, 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 Now, mind you, nobody was talking about the gameplay, which mm-hmm. we haven't seen much of anyway. So the complete dismissal of this game and all of the bitching and whining and moaning is entirely because of um, the character design. Oh, okay. Wow. And what's funny is that, um, you know, with Capcom, one of the, the top complaints, if not the top complaint, always levied against them, and I know that Sobro can back me up on this, mm-hmm. is that they always release the same thing over and over again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no in doubt fact, about that. In fact, I recall there being a huge bitch storm back in the day that Devil May Cry 2 was identical to Devil May Cry 1. Right. Yeah. And they gave us the harder-than-hell Devil May Cry 3. <laughs> So, you know, of course, you know, it goes that, you know, you release something, people start to complain that it's all the same stuff over and over again, you then try to do something different, and they complain about it being too different. Where have we heard this before? Yeah. Gundam? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it happened happened with Turn A, happened with Double O, Mm -hmm. and what what bothers me the most about what I've seen all over the internet on uh, this whole Devil May Cry issue is people saying, oh, that's not Devil May Cry, that's... this." You know, last time I checked, the fans are not the, the arbiters of a franchise. They're, they're not the gatekeepers that determine what is and what isn't part of anything. It's the people who own it and make it. Yeah. So stop going on and on with all this pretentious nonsense of how Capcom has screwed you over so much and how this is going to be horrible and yada yada. And people saying like, oh, he needs to be a Final Fantasy looking guy with white hair. Well, if you want that, go play the first four games. Yeah. Exactly. If you don't, if, if you are so butthurt about the visual style of this <laughs> new game, don't play it. Don't buy it. Capcom isn't forcing you to buy it. They're not injuring you. They're not forcing anything down your throat. They're not doing anything at all to you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the saying, you know, the saying, you, you vote with your pocketbook. But gamers are such hypocrites because I really do wonder how many people are bitching and, and causing such a shit about this now. But the day the game comes out, they'll all run out and buy it. Yeah, that's, so that's, that's, that's always been the thing. And as a, as a fan of Devil May Cry and played all four games... Um, I can kind of understand why they would reboot it a little bit because yeah. um, four was pretty much the same, and you know you start getting to the point where you're wondering what more you can do within it, and um, you know I'm sure that's what they're trying to do. And yeah, I, I find it funny that you know once you and this goes in the terms of like you said your example double o and stuff all the years that people complained about oh it's just a rehash of uh, one year war and all this other stuff and then they do something completely different with double came along they're like it's not gundam yeah this isn't gundam <laughs> but you said you and then then with season two they went back to kind of the standard of you expected gundam and they're like it's just the same stuff over and over again it's not any it's not original like season one was yeah and it just goes to show that people just like the bitch for the sake of it you know um, yeah yeah and it had me thinking you know mm-hmm. Video games and anime are supposed to be about fun. Yeah. So yeah. why is it that fans spend so much time being angry? 
Well, the other thing you got to realize, too, is let's be honest, that may or may not be the final version that this Dante actually has. Because yeah. how many times have we seen something, you've seen art or something of some something or someone, and right. there's some changes you yeah. know, at the end. I can set so, an Well, here's the problem with that. Um, you know, a while back, uh, Sucker Punch, they unveiled from his oh, two. I was just about to mention that. And. Uh, the main character, Cole, was redesigned into some metrosexual-looking douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, the, the difference of that situation was that Infamous 2 is just a straight-up sequel, not a yeah. reboot or a reimagining. Yeah, and people exactly. were very angry about the new look, and eventually Sucker Punch relented, and they changed Cole back to the way he looked in the first game. Yeah. So because that happened recently, I've seen all of these Devil May Cry fanboys bitching and saying that if they complain loud enough and long enough, yeah. they'll be able to wear down Capcom and get them to change uh, Dante back to the way he's supposed to look in yeah. their eyes. Good I mean, luck fighting that battle. You know, when I, when I saw that trailer for the first time before all the, all the information dropped about um, the actual backstory for um, the, the fact that they were, it wasn't going to be a prequel, because originally when I, when I heard about the news, people were saying, oh, it's a prequel to Devil May Cry. I was like, get out of town. This is going to be a prequel? And, you know, Dante had black hair. You know, he didn't have a sword visibly on the screen. He's running around with just two guns, and he's jacking the weapons of the people that he's fighting. So it's like, okay, this makes kind of sense, it, it being a prequel. This might be D Dante during his younger years and, and whatnot. But then when it got announced to be a, um, a, a, a reboot of it, you know, his look made more sense. You know, they just reimagined yeah. him, and they want to kind of draw in, I guess, a new audience. Because part four, let's face it, part four, part four didn't really burn up the charts when yeah. it came out there. It didn't sell very well. It, not as well, well, here's as also the one. thing. Uh -huh. A reboot can't be a reboot if it looks the same as what it's rebooting. Exactly. Yeah. Like, for example, uh, you know, the 2009 Star Trek movie. It's a reboot. Things look different. Exactly. People are different. It's not things are portrayed differently. If it looked exactly the same as it did before, it wouldn't be different. That's, exactly. that's the general principle behind any and every reboot. It has to look different to be different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can see that this Dante is so portrayed so much younger that, you know, maybe, you know, in a way, this is us, us getting the backstory of Dante we never had. Um, and, you know, I don't, I, I, it's, it's too early to really speculate. But not only that, I'm, but I'm, I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge fan, but mm -hmm. I've always seen Dante as just being like a grade A asshole. <laughs> and just from the just from the trailer alone, mm -hmm. this new uh, like meth addict punk rock Dante yeah. looks like a huge asshole. <laughs> yeah. And then, so as far as I'm concerned, nothing's really that different. And yeah, and, and that's what it is. I mean, Dante is a he is an asshole. He's arrogant. He's cocky. He's just he's everything. And um, you know, yeah, I, I think it, it. You know it. This also equates to down the you know a couple years ago uh, Optimus Prime, and, and Transformers <laughs> and stuff. So it's like and, and and all those and all those fanboys went out and saw that movie. Yeah. And uh, they 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 liked that movie and stuff. But you know. Yeah. It, it's just okay. It's just it's just a, it's just a little trailer. You don't know what it's going to end up being. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like it, then like you said, don't buy it. It's you know? cosmetic, man. That, yeah. that, I would like to see to. if, you know, once the gameplay videos come out, if they're just like balls to the wall amazing, 
people are going to eat their words. Oh, they will. <laughs> and all that bitching. No, but they'll still go out and buy it. So whether it's, you know, video games or mecha anime or whatever, you know, people just really need to cool it and not get so worked up over every tiny thing because, and I think unfortunately this is one of the problems with the internet, that people feel because of this sort of like internet is always living all day and night, people have to constantly be complaining about something at all times. Yeah, people feel that like when they're because they're connected, they have to constantly comment on things or they won't be noticed. And that's like, been it. Can't that's... people ever be happy about something? That's all I want to know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and you know, like, it's like new it's... new game announced for beloved franchise. Raw rage. It's like I said. I mean, the number four. I played it. It's enjoyable, but it started getting. You know, when I'm having to fight the old bosses again and all this other stuff, it's just like it it really didn't it really wasn't that much different from number three. So doing a reboot would be kinda cool and you know, there's always so much background of Dante and Virgil and all that stuff that they've never ever even gotten into. So like you said, it might be a completely different thing. It might be somewhat of a prequel but not one, but a reboot and you know, because I'm sure he's he'll probably start off maybe if he starts off younger than what he was in Devil May Cry one. So yeah. he might get his white hair somewhere somewhere down the line who knows yeah exactly. and hey you know mm -hmm. if if the game sucks and it fails they'll just go back to what they used yeah. to do before like right. capcom generally does yeah, so going, and if you really like all you have to do is wait another two or three years and it'll just be another samey devil may cry just like what you've come to love and loathe up to now and if you, if you like if you love dante that much go on mvc3 whenever that comes there you out, go oh, so be, was just about to say he'll be on there of course you were yep. um and uh you know so but that it, Chris? That's pretty much it. So, Old you smash, know. new ideas. Soul bro, anything else before we get into the mailbag? <laughs> I'm good. I'm All good. right. Well, we'll be back with our first, um, well, our only topic uh, segregated into two, uh, two uh, segments. So mm -hmm. we'll be back in a little bit. You're listening to Gundam and NHK. What Marcellus Wallace looks like. What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com the Ass Backwards Enemy Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. Greetings, I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember... There is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. He'll keep calling me. He'll keep calling me until I come over. He'll make me feel guilty. 
This is uh, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go with. I'll go. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. Welcome to Gundam's live nude mailbag. All right, let's get to some questions. <laughs> what is this, the Mor- Gundam morning zoo? Yes, apparently. So, um, in this, se- in this segment, um, we're going to be doing an all-out mailbag to catch up with uh, the months and months of questions that uh, have been piling up so that, uh, you know, we can eventually finish out this year on time and not go into 2011 with questions from 2010. So this, this is like the uh, the Code Geass episode of um, Mailbag, huh? Yes. F- 15, 15 episodes worth of Mailbag done in one. Pretty much. So uh, for this first question, uh, we're going to go with a very blatant troll question that's been sitting here for a long time and I figure, hey, I'll bite. Why not? Hosted by a guy named Cat Attack, who only ever posted this one thing on Mechatalk and never anything else, which just um, you know lends credence to it being a troll question. So, here we go. Cat Attack's question. Now, how do I say this? I've been warring with this, let's say, a tiny little bug about Shinji from the greatest mech anime Neon Genesis Evangelion. Now, I know he has done some Let's say, yeah. <laughs> Never seen that Let, one. Let's say some bad things that make him iconic. First ten minutes of End of Evangelion. No other anime character has done that, and that what makes him the best anime character ever. But my side agrees that Shinji is the reason that people watch mecha anime. Now many people might disagree with me, but they just don't understand anime then. But Evangelion is still in stores, and Gundam, well, not so much. So the question is, why do people ever think that Shinji is weak? Uh, uh, who's going to jump on that? I guess I'll begin. <laughs> yeah, uh, please do. <laughs> A, because he is weak. Oh. Uh, B, Evangelion's still in stores because, well, that was the only thing that was selling for ADV for the longest of times. Mm-hmm. And C, I don't think he's the main reason why people watch uh, mecha anime. I think, I think there might be credence that it's brought people have seen the show and gone into other mecha anime but i don't think it's because of shinji akari and um uh you should spell check things before you write them and grammar check too i'm done so bro i know that when the character was created he was made to be he was made to be the antithesis of any male um lead of a of a mecha show so i mean him being weak is part of the joke (laughs) yeah he's uh he's he's not your average uh pilot he's not hot-blooded he's the opposite He's cowardly. Um, he hates his father. Um, you know, it's just things about him that, uh, you know, that make the regular viewer of a mecha anime want to cringe. Well, then yeah. if he if he's cowardly, he hates his father, and he doesn't want to fight, isn't he like every other Gundam lead? Not not yeah, <laughs> not necessarily because they be freaking they nut Outside up somewhere along the show. Shinji gets worse and worse. There was a point in the show where Shinji does 
pump up, you know, and he starts to step up, and you know, things are going good for him, and then it all comes crashing down. Which version? Is this first version, second version, or third version? Uh, we'll, 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 just for the sake of sanity, we'll stick with the TV show, the okay. first version. <laughs> but, um, you know, and then he comes crashing down, and you see that, you know, even more so, you know, I guess in the second version, the, uh, the, the end of Evangelion, where, you know, you see him just roll up into a ball and doesn't want to do anything, and Masada's practically dragging him through nerve while, while playing Time Crisis at the same time. And, you know, only he nuts up when she dies, and that pissed me off more than anything. But, no, um, Shinji, he's, he's meant to, to be weak, and, you know, he only he, he steps up at the last moment. But his motivations, you know, just, I don't know, he's... It, we could be we could spend all day on this, but um, really. I'll just say that you know he's that's not he's a weak-willed dude, man. Just because he nutted in his hand, don't mean <laughs> don't mean he's special. He's just effed up, Chris. Okay, what I want to know is um, since no one has has questioned this so far, mm-hmm. uh, how is it that um, jizzing on some girl in a coma makes you the most awesome anime character ever? <laughs> well, I I, I just kind of look beyond that comment. That's why I didn't say anything. Cause and, yeah, and 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 what does uh, Evangelion being on the shelves have to do with with Gundam? What yeah. <laughs> and and you know the the obvious troll uh, part of you know well if you don't think that you know what I think is the most awesome thing ever, then obviously you're wrong and, and very wrong, and you don't know anything. Yeah, that is true. So I have nothing to say about the question because you know it's a dumb troll question. It's a dumb troll question. Well said. Next, um, we have some questions from the White Knight. Oh, snap. He asks, The last three Gundam series have all had female captains in charge of the story's main ship. Do you believe it is better to have a woman or a man as the captain? I believe that having a woman is interesting because it brings balance to the otherwise male pilots, but that's just my thought. So, Sobro, why don't you uh, share with us your thoughts on female uh, ship captains I, I i particularly like them um i think they bring something different to the show um is there a benefit to having a, a female captain over a male captain it, when it comes down to it it comes down to skill and how you captain the ship because we've seen female captains completely botch it as well as male captains botch it so i just it, it does introduce a different dynamic but when it comes down to for me it's the character themselves um you know i like sumeragi although you know she's got issues like drinking and whatnot but she gets over them and you know she becomes a stronger person for it you know i um i wasn't too fond of uh well, I did like Talia too, who was also a female captain in the uh, in Gundam Seed Destiny last episode. until the last episode, which ruined it for me. So you know, captains make dumb decisions, no matter what gender you are. You know, Bright was pretty much rock solid up until uh, Double Zeta, where you know he just he just went to um, what's what did they say? Um, just became a tired old man. He checked out. You know, yeah. <laughs> he checked out. I was like, look, I'm gonna see y'all in Shards Counterattack. Peace. <laughs> But you know everybody's got their off moments. But to me, it's it's more so the character themselves than um the gender that they that they are. Neo. Um, I just think it shows the softening of the Japanese culture of starting to accept women in roles like that. I think you know it's it's not that big of a deal anymore. And like you said, it depends on skill. Now the only downside that I have is you still have the whole. I mean, they're still objectified yeah. as women in anime are. I mean, you had Rami's. Captain Jiggles. And I mean, even Sumeragi. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's like she's like jiggles in training. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it like I said, it, it's just one of those things as society changes and you you start to see more uh, gender equal and 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 uh, ethnic equal things. I don't think it's a big deal. It just depends on how the how the character is, and I don't think one's better than the other. So, Chris, I have no personal preference. I mean, it's just. Yeah. Uh, become a normal thing now that you see women in uh, 
you know, all sorts of different roles. So, you know, it just depends on the individual depiction of the character. You know, Talia was sort of, uh, you know, a skilled commander, sort of like a female bright until the very end of Destiny when she just uh, lost it <laughs> and decided to be the, the good wife to Durandal and, and burn with him. Uh, Sumeragi was interesting because of her flaws, which she eventually, you know, got over. You know, using alcohol as a crutch over the, uh, you know, the death of her, uh, her boy there that uh, she had a thing for. Um, you know, Muru, she was an interesting character because she was compassionate, and I liked her in Seed, but uh, a little bit less so in Destiny because by then she just became a, a follower of the Church of Lacus <laughs> <laughs> rather than, you know, sort of the more independent um, commanding woman she was in Seed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's a trend they'll probably continue in the future. It's to the point now where it doesn't really matter if the next ship has a female captain or not, but. Obviously, the last three shows have had it, so if the next show is ship-based, uh, I'd say chances are that there'd be another female captain. Yeah. So um, the next question from White Knight says, Speaking of ships such as White Base, Minerva, Argama, do you guys have a preference to shows which, shen- which center around the crew of a ship, i.e. 00, MSG, and Seed, or do you feel shows without ships such as G, HMS, and Wing benefit from not using a ship as the centerpiece for the series? Um, I don't think it really matters because it, in the end, it's just the characters who fill the ship or not. So, um, you know, do we think of the only way I really look at the ships is the design and stuff like that. And maybe mm-hmm. some cool action sequences they do in a show, but, um, in terms of the characters and stuff or it being a show that has a ship being better as opposed to one that doesn't, I don't think it really matters in my, my preference. So. I think subconsciously I gravitate more towards the ones with the ships because I'm kind of used to that from um, watching Macross all those years ago as a part of Robotech. Um, you know, I kind of like the uh, camaraderie that's built between the ship's crew and everybody on it, almost like a tight-knit family. And sometimes they don't start out that way, but they progress into that as the series goes along. Um, it doesn't mean I have a bias against any of the shows that don't have a, sh- a ship's crew. A lot of them, you know, are, are very unique and and. For them to not have ships, you know, you know, they they get rid of one of those uh, one of those uh, staples that's usually in mecha anime, and they're they're willing to make the show without it. So that's pretty daring. But um, I'd have to say, I guess I have a a slight fondness for shows that do have ships. Um, myself. All right. Uh, I kind of gravitate towards ship shows because um, yeah, that's what I'm used to also. But in the end, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, let's see what we have next. Uh, our next question comes from Rygens, uh, who asks, With the release of the first episode of Gundam Unicorn, this is the first time I've experienced the lengthy schedule of an OAV firsthand. My question is, why does it take so long for each episode of an OAV to be released compared to a TV anime? Is it because of the quality of the animation? Do a lot of anime companies do this? Is it a trade-off between waiting six months for each ep and waiting two to three years for the whole series to be finished before releasing them all at the same time? I have no clue. Oh, Neil, I thought you were going to land base this. I just, sure? I, 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 I mean, I, th- I, think, I think what it comes down to is people try to justify. I think that's why you hear, like, this and that. Sometimes I think it's just maybe these, these companies, um, from what the little bit I know about the Japanese animation industry, it seems like there's like four guys that work for a company and they do 60 shows and there's just not enough there's just not enough time in a day to do everything and I, I think that and also we've seen with like some of these directors and all that they get they sometimes uh, over invent the wheel while they're doing this stuff and uh, but in terms of unicorn 
I, I really don't understand it. Um, and I just hope it doesn't turn out like Macross Zero, where after a while you just kind of you end up forgetting about it because it's just like, oh, when's it going to come out? And I still don't believe November November 12th or October 30th for PSN or the I don't believe it. <laughs> so, well, you know, when it comes to OAVs, um, you know, we have to keep in mind. I think that OAVs don't necessarily mean what they used to or what people yeah. used to think. Because in the 80s, an OAV meant like a super lavishly produced thing with a really nice budget. There also was cheap crap, but, you know, it's obvious. If you look at shows from the 80s and then OAVs, you know, you look at, say, Megazone 23, and it's going to look a lot prettier than a typical full-length TV show. Right, yeah. But these days, that doesn't happen so much anymore because a lot of the OAVs you see are continuations of TV shows or bonus episodes or whatever, and they have the exact same animation budget as the TV show. Then you've got stuff that, um, you know, is lavishly produced, like, say, Macross Zero or Unicorn. And I would say to Rygens, if you've seen the first episode of Unicorn, especially on Blu-ray, then you understand why it is that it's taking so long. And, you know... It may seem like a really long time because some OAVs come out on a monthly schedule or every other month or, you know, quarterly, whatever. But, you know, it really depends, you know, how much work you want to put into it. If you want Unicorn to look that good, it takes time. That's true. And, you know, there have been plenty of shows that have been released on long schedules. It took two and a half years for, uh, for Zero to come out. It took uh, almost three years because of 8th MS Team, even though that had extenuating circumstances. Hell, it took eight years for Giant Robo to come out. Ooh. Yeah. Eight years. I mean, yeah. think about that wait. That is so, true. Hell, um, we, we, it's not so bad. Um, I know we just reviewed, uh, uh, what's that show, uh, Detonator Organ, and it took a year for each episode to come out. A year. Yeah, it's like, well, I mean, we, we blew it out because, you know, we didn't have to wait for it. But looking at production schedule, a year per episode for an OVA? Damn. <laughs> but go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. No, that's, that's it for that question. So moving on, we have... Okay. This question comes from uh, JCN Casval, who says, in the last Gundam episode, which was a very long time ago when he asked this... <laughs> Uh, Andre made an advice of not to buy the 1.0 of any MG model kits that has 2.0. With that said, I asked this question in the forum for that episode concerning buyer's remorse, and so now I'm officially asking you that very question to the hosts. What is your biggest buyer's remorse in model kits, and what is your best work? If this question is asked in the model kit constructing segment in the near future, that would be fine as well. Segment that we already had, but anyway... Um, so yeah, buyer's remorse on model kits, uh, and then the flip side, what, uh, what do you like the most of what you've bought and built? The only buyer's remorse that I had was many years ago when I bought the, the wing ones. Um, yeah, the, the, I think they were what, 144s or whatever back then, cause they were just so crappily done. But, um, actually I try to do pretty good research before I get into buying these things. I just don't, because you know, things can be a very much of a pain in the butt to do. And um, some of the ones I enjoyed putting together with, like, uh, the 160 Exia uh, Strike was nice to put together. Um, you know, so I, I think I think with model building, it's one of these things where you just, you got to kind of do your research 
and you got to kind of know what's going on and, and using guys like Andreas and stuff like that as a resource is, is very good um, because it'll help you from being frustrated. I know from uh, friends of mine, I can tell you one that's a real pain in the butt were any of the Zeta pluses. <laughs> so, um, and the, uh, and the Regzi, the Regzi from Shars counterattack. That yeah. was a real pain in the butt too. But, um, that's it for me. Soul bro. Uh, my buyer's remorse is not even a Gundam model. It's actually a garage kit, which I, at the time I didn't know what a garage kit was. <laughs> I just, you know, I was a big fan of Evangelion. So, um, I was at uh, the store one day and I saw that they had the unit one, um, a garage kit model. And it's like, oh man, I, I bet this snaps together. So, you know, I freaking bought it, got it home, opened it up. And it's like, oh my God, you have to glue this together. This is like a real, real model. I can't do this. <laughs> so this thing has been um, sitting in my closet for like the, the latest. I just moved into a new house and I just found this thing again. It's like, oh my God, I, um, I still have this. I well, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's plenty of Ava lovers on Mecha Talk that'll you know, take it off your hands. You know, I might just give it away at, a, at another at a live away? show. I'd, I'd charge those bastards. I, got, <laughs> I may give it away at, a, at, a, at our next MegaCon or something. But um, my... Um, the purchase I'm most proud of is uh, my... For uh, this question, you win Soul Bro's junk that's been sitting in the back of his closet <laughs> for five years. Ooh. No, it, it's still in pristine condition. I've never, I've never put it together. Podcast Superstar so Soul Bro. It, it's fine. Anybody who loves building models, man, they want it. It's theirs. But um, the, the model purchase I'm most proud of is, uh, ironically, a Zeta model. Um, it's the Amarore Custom. From I guess that uh, one special. Uh, Those are the two point That was a two point oh. a two point oh. Yeah, the one that's like lavender and white. Yeah. The uh, the the unicorn one. Uh, I, that's the one I liked. I, I enjoyed the most. I didn't put it together. My friend did, who absolutely hates the Zeta, but um, he put it together for me because I he, he, he. Well, no wonder you love the person. Oh, oh, oh I know. I didn't, have this, I didn't do any blood, sweat, and tears. He did it Damn. for me, and he cursed at me for 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 giving it to him to put together. So um, let me show, show you the finest piece of my collection. And it looks great in my office. That's all I know. <laughs> but Chris, what's up? Uh, I would say buyer's remorse. Um, definitely some wing stuff. Yeah. Uh, the 144 scale I picked up a long time ago. Tall geese and the Mercurius. Yeah. Especially the Mercurius. God, that was such a piece of crap. <laughs> Mine was heavy arms. Nice. Junky. So that was junk. Tall geese was disappointing. It was meh. Um, I would say one of the better kits that I've enjoyed uh, was a 100th uh, Heavy Arms Custom that um, Austin um, handed down to me because uh, he gave up on it and only built like a leg and then like part of another leg. Well, Tro is a war orphan. So I so. finished it off. Tro is a war orphan, so I could see why Austin wouldn't want to build it since he hates the war orphans. So hateful. <laughs> so that, that would be mine. And next we have a question from uh, Alan Fortran, oh, right. who is not Dr. Tran, <laughs> in case you were wondering. Good to know. He says, after watching your Macross segment, I thought that your opinion of the narrator of Robotech was a little exaggerated, <laughs> so I went back and watched Robotech. My goodness, I had never noticed how often the narrator speaks and how annoying it is when he talks at the most inappropriate moments. My question is that... Have the opinions of others influenced or changed the way you look at some shows now? And if possible, what shows? He also knows that he's not a doctor. <laughs> um, not like when people, uh, I guess the question is when people say something about a certain thing and then you go back and watch it. Yeah. Um, um, not too much, to be honest with you. 
Uh, I really can't think of anything off the top of my head where I usually notice annoying. If something annoys me, it just annoys me. And a lot of times things annoy me more than they annoy others. So um, um, maybe the biggest thing is um, the example I could have is Bernie's Lament. I always knew there was something kind of weird about it until Solbo's best friend mentioned that it was kind of pedophilic. So. <laughs> but then when I went back and watched, I was like, oh, my God. I can see where this comes from. You know, I got a question on YouTube about that. What, <laughs> what's the joke in this? This video is awesome. You know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, um, and I had explained. It's like, um, some people think there's pedophilic undertones. <laughs> it's just a little video. It's not me, but some people that will go un unmentioned. <laughs> Many people. Think that, but <laughs> Most people. Do they? <laughs> but um, I, I can't really think of yeah. much, much myself. Um. The only thing that I can think of, which I was already marginal on, is when I saw Attack of the Clones <laughs> years ago. You know, we were so starred for some kind of action in that movie that when we finally got that big orgy of lightsabers at the end of the film, you know, I left that movie initially okay with it. But um, then I watched, uh, I, you know, throughout the years, you know, I just never had the desire to watch that movie again. But I got straight angry at that whole trilogy when I watched the um the reviews that are on YouTube from, uh, I guess there's a, I forget his name, but um, I think it's Red Letter Media or something like that is the, the name of the YouTube user. Oh, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> that guy. I, I movie reviews. Yeah, the, 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 the guy who plays the psycho killer who's, who does movie reviews, but he broke that That guy's trilogy. hilarious. That guy is a it's comedic genius. He um he broke down the first two movies of the of the prequel trilogy already on YouTube and he, he, he discussed them to the nth detail and it, it's it's interesting. I mean those those reviews are about as long as a, a movie themselves. It, and all the parts that <laughs> but they're worth there. it. But yeah. they're worth it and you can watch them, you know, much more enjoyable than the movie that oh, they're reviewing. Exactly. Oh God, yes. I don't you don't even need to see the movies if you watch those reviews. <laughs> but yeah, he just made me straight angry at those. Although in time I, I've I've come to like George Lucas a little bit because, you know, he gives his fans the freedom to do what they want with um Star Wars, at least for the most part. Except for old Miss. They need Admiral Akbar as their uh Exactly. Mascot. <laughs> I don't know what they're waiting for to make Admiral Akbar their mascot. But um yeah, that's the only thing I could think of. They're about. waiting to sign their souls over to George Lucas. <laughs> Or evil, but yeah, that's 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 the one thing I can think of off the top of my head. I've got one that's also not anime. Um, a few months ago, I started watching um, the new Doctor Who, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know, I started with uh, the the first season with Christopher Eccleston, and I was telling Dale that I had started watching the show, and he'd seen a few seasons ahead of me, but I eventually caught up and and surpassed him. Mm -hmm. So he had commented that Rose, the companion for the first two seasons was uh, a bit of a mouth breather and i'd only seen like the pilot up to that point mm -hmm. and then every episode after that for the next two seasons any scene she was in i noticed that and it bugged the hell out of me oh but i hadn't God. noticed it before he said it wow and i was like damn it and then finally she left but then every time she came back as a guest i noticed it too so i was like damn it damn you dale <laughs> does her does her nasal cavities not work I have no idea, but she's totally a mouth breather. Wow, that's not cool. That's not cool at all. That's funny, though, when you pick up a little nuances like that. <laughs> when you watch a show or don't watch a show and then you go back and watch it after someone points that out to you. That is, it is kind of freaky sometimes. Especially Actually, one final thing that I have to say on it is <laughs> since uh, Emperor Palpatine has joined our show, mm -hmm. I saw the third, re what is it, Revenge of the Sith or whatever. Right couple i think it was during labor day weekend they were playing all that crap on tv and i was oh, just flipping, 
I was flipping through the channels, <laughs> and he's sitting there talking, and I see, I just, it was just a new funny, I just saw it like in a new life. It's like, well, I can finally kind of watch parts of this movie and not be completely bored, because it's like, wow, there he is, the emperor. So, <laughs> but. So, um, our next question. I, I, I suggest people doing that if they haven't already. Rewatch the Emperor Palpatine parts after hearing the Al Emperor on our show. It's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> our next question comes from Crash Legacy 14, right. who asks, What is your views of gimmicks and mecha designs, particularly ones that are only found in the model kits or used once, then forgot about? What is your favorite and least favorite gimmick on mecha? I don't know. Um, my Probably my least favorite gimmick was... Um, Within Seed, where it seemed like every new suit had a bigger and better backpack. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't mind the backpacks. I thought, I think, I always thought the concept of Strike was really cool. But then you were seeing like all these other backpacks and like the penis pack on the Providence and stuff like that. It's just, and then seeing like all the MS, the MSVs and all that. They just seemed like they had more and more crap on them. And then like putting some of that crap on like some grunt suits. It's just like, man, you know, it's just kind of, kind of pathetic. But it's the only thing I can really think of. Okay, Solbro. Um, I I guess my biggest complaint is accessories that get used once <laughs> and never seen again. Um, other than that, I can't Gundam think of Hammer. much. Yeah, the Gundam Hammer barely used. <laughs> Although I think its coolest application was in uh Turn A Gundam, Turn A Gundam that where where it had the uh. The thrust, yeah. uh, I guess, the acceleration to it, and didn't Lauren lose control of it or something? Like something wacky happened when he tried to use it. Oh, I'm sure wacky. <laughs> there's, there's always something wacky with when Lauren's involved. That was it. That was its uh its golden moment in in, in the history of Gundam. But actually, yeah. his golden moment was running around with that fish. Oh yeah, that's right. Covering his private parts. <laughs> he didn't need a digital mosaic. He already yeah. had equipped. <laughs> so. But that that was an accessory he put to good use. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Strategically placed. <laughs> but that's, that's the only thing I could think of at the moment. Okay. Um, I would say for gimmicks that um, I'm not a fan of, like, big, bulky, heavy suits. Mm -hmm. I, I prefer, you know, slimmed down, sleeker models. So, you know, I would always prefer, say, uh, Zeta to double Zeta yeah. or, you know, Exia to... Double O. Double O. No, I like double O. Um Exia to any number of bulky, ginormous things I could think of from Cosmic Era. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, gimmicks that are used in one episode, um, you know, they, they bother me if they don't show up again, but they're kind of neat. So, like the, like the what is it, the Mega Launcher in Zeta? It was used, like, what, two episodes? That was used a couple <laughs> of times, but, um, like, back in Seed, um, you know, Kira used uh, Bazooka for those two episodes that he was underwater. Oh, yeah. Again. And that oh, yeah, bazooka right. was pretty neat looking. Yeah. But that's the only, it's like, I didn't even know he had a bazooka until he just happened to ask, like, hey, uh, Murdoch, give me that bazooka that we have and has never been mentioned before. <laughs> we never saw loaded on the... And, and will never be seen again. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, that sort of sticks out. In terms of stuff that's mostly in model kits, that doesn't bother me because I don't buy too many model kits. So, you know, I know, for example, some of the, uh, the Gundam X kits have stuff included with them that's not even used in the show, perhaps because it got canceled and didn't have time to stick it in there. But, you know, on the kits themselves, it doesn't really bother me. More crap is always nicer, you know, right. accessories. So Especially when you're spending all that money on those damn things. Exactly. And uh, Crash has a second question that's directed at one specific person. 
Uh-oh. And he asks, are there any other members of the Neo's Mecha Club, or is the gun tank holding the banner alone? Wait a sec. How would the gun tank hold the banner? <laughs> uh, didn't it have an antenna in some episodes? Yes, it did, I think. Yeah, so that's the way you would do it on there. Um, other other members of the, the Met Club include uh, the Strike. I like all incarnations of Strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Exia, he, he's part of it. Um, I I actually, there's actually two gun tanks because I like the gun tanks from um, um, O8MS team. So there, those are those are even you know even cooler thing. If you never thought gun tank could get better, it just did. But um, you know, what about it, the one from Igloo, the Hodolfer? Eh. Oh. I don't know. The coolest gun tank of all time is is <laughs> that was Zeon. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I mean, Hakashiki, all those, you know, suits like that. Anything that usually when there's a, the cool brash pilot, whatever he's got, I like. Right. So that makes it easy. But um, Even though it's not a mecha, what about the Mobius Zero? I like the Mobius Zero. I know you do. But I don't really like the uh, the redesign of, uh, what was it, the Exodus or X, the thing Exus. that? Exodus. Mm-hmm. Wasn't really feeling that one. So, and the Skygrasper was cool, too. But, that it um, was. And, uh. Oh, and uh, Captain Max's uh, thing in uh, freaking um, seven, the thing that he warped in on. Oh, oh the yeah. uh, the VF twenty two, the Sturmvogel. <laughs> freaking warped it. One of the coolest scenes ever, and it did accomplish nothing. Damn. It's like wow, comes in, wipes out all these guys, and damn it, they're too powerful. <laughs> and steals all the thunder from the main character. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you had to show him who who was there. He's like he comes in, he's like, hey guys. Let me show you how it was done before you were all even born. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I'm 52, and I look like I'm not even a, a day over 24. So, but that's it. Okay. Our next question comes from Bob Smith. <laughs> hey, guys. Turn A Gundam is probably my favorite franchise entry because of what it does with the core ideas of the series while also having a neat alternate history slash retro future setting. Imagine if there was to be a Turn A Macross using the same idea of radical mech design an unusual setting and interesting characters. What would you put in it? Mm, I don't know. Yeah, that's a that's a really cool question. Um, I don't know. Uh, if I guess if if if, if there was a Turn A Macross, I'd, I'd like to see it kind of like a throwback time, like maybe uh, World well, War. That's what Turn A is. It's kind we, of a we, throwback. It's time. a throwback time. But yeah. I, I'd like it to be maybe kind of World War Two esque kind of. Um, no, it must be transforming biplanes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, have have uh, not jet-based planes, but maybe prop. You know, planes that that still need to use uh, propellers and whatnot. Yeah, I just it it's 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 a very broad question. So you know, we could it, it take a lot of thought. But no, that's a really cool concept for um, a Macross series. Maybe one day they'll they'll take it, but chances are they won't. But um, yeah, I would I would say World War Two era, and have an alien invasion during that time, and see where it takes you. That would be cool. Okay, Neil. Um. I don't know. I mean, it, it's just as cool as Turn A is. I just don't know. Um, That'll work for Macross. I don't. Yeah, I, I. I don't know. It's just. It's just really. I mean, to do it, how would you? How it have to be done in a way where it doesn't look like it's just a complete rip off or just kind of a, a wank to try to capitalize on something Gundam did. Mm-hmm. Um. May, maybe going the route of World War Two, but. I don't know. It, I'm I mean, not really whole, down with it. And, I think one of the whole ideas of the whole idol singer came from, um, 
you know, one of the inspirations for Minmay was a woman that sang during World War II. I don't, I don't remember who the woman was, but I remember reading something somewhere where um, that inspiration. Is this a, is this a soul bro, unconfirmed, I'll, mostly I'll, false I wish, fact? I wish I came equipped with fact, but <laughs> I just remember reading somewhere that part of her inspiration came from a, a female singer from World War II. And, um, you know, it wouldn't be too, too far of a stretch if they, they kind of, you know, put, implemented the idol singer during that time. You know, I just, I I'll be honest. I think maybe if you wanted to do something that was alternate like that with Macross, it might be cooler if there was just maybe a divergence and, um, you know, do a, do a star tracking where it's like uh, maybe there's a divergence in the original Macross story yeah. where maybe somebody died. I, I don't know, whatever it could be. But, and then maybe the route goes a little bit differently. But the turn A thing, it's just so unique, and I just don't know. I don't know if you can just go ahead and do that all the time. So, but I vote for transforming penguin-shaped planes. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, if you wanted to do something like a turn A type thing from Macross that would be radically different and piss off lots of people, mm-hmm. have the transforming mecha not be based around planes at all. No transforming oh. planes. Period. Transforming trains. Trains, tanks, fire trucks, whatever the heck you want. Something, Model. but. No planes whatsoever, and that would piss off so many people. It would. Model T's. <laughs> people would. People would claim that they were being trolled. <laughs> Kilmore's trolling us. Trolling us. Okay. So our next question comes from uh, one of our old pals, the Hod, mm-hmm. who says, "Greetings, Gundam crew. I would like to know, in your opinion, if Sobro's man were a mobile suit pilot, what would it? What would he pilot? My choice is the Methus." <laughs> I thought that was already. I thought we already figured that out. It was Pink Zaka. Well, there you go. So, bro. Oh, wow. Um, I, am, am I even qualified to answer this question? No, you're biased. <laughs> Forget you. Moving on. Next question. Nice. Um, honestly, I I don't have an answer for that. It's a it's a it's a fun question though. Um, uh, gun tank. <laughs> okay. Our next question comes from Bushido. By the way, congratulations. We've now entered the month of May 2010. Oh, awesome. Uh, when I looked at the review of Gundam Unicorn on Random Curiosity, which is how dates this question since that blog closed down, <laughs> I see a couple of comments saying things like, there aren't any cute girls in Unicorn, or the character designs are bad, so therefore Unicorn isn't good. When I see these types of comments, I get frustrated because it seems to me that these viewers are only looking for fan service material and care less for story. This kind of relates to Seed and Destiny, where the character designs are of the Bashonen type, where these designs become a contributing factor for it being popular as well as any latest anime titles like K-On, which focus on moiness, which is also popular among the new generation of anime fans. So my question is, what do you think of these types of comments that dismiss Unicorn as being a not-so-good anime because of the lack of cute girls and character designs? It's well, a- the first thing I would do if you ever see a blog post and it says Destiny Gundam, don't read it, because that's what you'll probably hear is about cute girls and moiness. <laughs> so that's, that's the first thing you need to do. Um, I, I don't really take, I don't really listen to all that stuff. And, you know, I, I think Unicorn's good for what it is. And it's, it's got a basis of, um, coming off a novel and they're trying to do a, a good adaptation of it. And if they don't have it in the novel, then why bother having it in the, um, in the show just to please a couple of, uh, degenerates. I mean, so. <laughs> degenerates. <laughs> and it's, it's always the whiners that always have the loudest voices, man. Yeah. Uh, especially on the internet. Uh, you know, when it comes to Unicorn specifically, its character design is uh is ba- it's the characters are designed by Yas you know Yaz so you know they got that that old school look and design that we haven't seen in ages so to me to me and most of us 
it's cool to see that not everybody has to be like adorable and cute looking and and are astonishingly striking you know almost to the fact that they look like you know dudes that look like chicks you know that that's that's, that's been done and gunned to death over the last couple of years i appreciate they brought the mullet back for mullet shark damn right dude <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen a mullet that glorious since uh, Solid Snake or Zex Marquis. That's what I'm talking about. It's, so. it's a real supervisual ob- observation, and it makes you wonder what these people hey, look like. Wait, Zex had long, girly hair, not a mullet. Oh, Dude, he was, part, he was business in the front, though. <laughs> if you look at Zex, he was business in the front, and that was like, that's an extreme mullet in the back. <laughs> so, But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very... I still like Zex. It's just saying, the guy's got a mullet, you know. <laughs> the, the, the Zex hair debate. Well, yes. <laughs> next episode. But yeah, wait, man. does that does that then make full frontal mullet Zex by by your logic? Well, he's more he's more mullet Char because he's got um he he you know from what I've seen of, of him he looks more like Char. But yeah, he does kind of have the Zex masks too. So I don't know. All I know, I, I have to wait till uh, November twelfth or I don't know. I think his his mask is more Rao looking. It is a little Rao looking, isn't it? Because he just wears yeah. the mask without a helmet, whereas Zex is yeah. with an integrated mask slash helmet. Yeah. All I, all I know is Full Frontal's got a better mullet than Kenny Powers, and that's uh, that's saying something. <laughs> but no, I mean it's it's a very superficial observation that makes you wonder what these people are looking for when they watch anime. If they're just looking, they're looking for, for eye candy animation. and that's all there is, you know, go 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 kill yourself. <laughs> Seriously, it's like wow, there's more to the story than just the way the characters look. And if you're not intrigued by you know the content of what you're watching, then I, I don't know what else to say for you. There's no there's no saving you, man. Yeah, I'm, there's some useless character like Asagi Crossroad to look into. It, it, what to opine about for <laughs> days, episodes on end? Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> but still, man, I uh, I I don't I I can't ever relate to someone like that that's looking for just one thing in the show and the same thing over and over. Aren't you a freaking elitist? Hey, man, I'm just chilling. <laughs> but Chris, it's all you, man. You know, when it comes to things like character designs, obviously. You have to keep in mind with Unicorn that it's designed by Yaz. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be a callback to the 80s style of, you know, Zeta and all those shows because it's supposed to fit in visually with, with those shows. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just because something looks different from what everything else looks like, it doesn't mean everything has to be like, you know, a same, you know, the same thing coming out of like some production line. Exactly. You know, things can have variety just because it's not what you're used to doesn't mean it's wrong. And, you know, it swings both ways. Yeah. You know, these people who, you know, oh, yeah. think that any anime older than the year 2000 that looks different from what's current sucks. <laughs> and then you got people who think, you know, anything after the year 2000 that looks the way things do now suck. Yeah. So there's idiots on both ends of the spectrum. I don't care, you know. I judge each show individually. Things like character designs don't aren't anything that hang me up from not watching a show, with only one exception. What's up? Crayon Shinchan. <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird. That show, just the, the character design and the animation is just so hideous, I just can't watch that show. People have told me constantly how funny it is, but I, I just can't watch it. It it's is just a little too, rough. It's just too ugly to look at. And, you know, I tell people, like, you know, you should try to overlook simple things like character designs, particularly people talk about stuff like, oh, Transformers Animated looks stupid, and I'm like, no, but the writing's really good, and the voice acting and all of that, and I'm sure maybe that's all true for Shin-Chan, but God, it's just so ugly. I, I just cannot watch that show ever. Well, the problem, the problem with Shin-Chan is, when I, I usually after about an episode or two, when, it, when you have something that's just a little bit different, I kind of get used to it. Shin-Chan, yeah, it does look like that some days are better than others, 
in that um in that animation studio and you can tell when like uh, the there was a, a a business meeting in a in a in a bar that took a little longer the night before the next day when they came in <laughs> so yeah it's um it's uh I don't know. It's just kind of, it's just a matter of preference. It's just people being nitpicky about stuff. So, okay. Know. The next question comes again from Bob Smith, who asks Many modern anime ops tend to be popular songs thematically linked to the show's premise. For example, Macross Frontier's Triangular, referring to the love triangle, so it seems. While older shows tended to have an op directly about how awesome the show was, like Tobey Gundam or the SDF Macross theme. Which do you prefer, the Osala or the new? And would something like Double O be more or less awesome if it had an old school super robot style op? Hmm. Uh, wow. I don't. I don't really have too much of a preference than over one or the other, old or new. I think um, a lot of times it just depends if the song just completely annoys you. And mm -hmm. you know, if if it's just a, <laughs> if this is one of those songs that you just are like, whatever. I don't care if it's old or new. You're just gonna be like, eh. And I, I don't know. I, I, I think with Double O, I mean, using the old style, it, it could possibly work, but it's not an old style show. I mean, the old style I could see working more for like a unicorn or something like that, that like we stated earlier, was something that's supposed to be the continuation of, of something that's been done for the last 20 to 30 years. But, um, I mean, it, it, it's not that much of a Thing to me when it comes to the openings um, like I said I think the biggest thing is if they're annoying they're annoying I don't <laughs> care if they're brand new or old so that's my take okay so bro I'm, I'm a little torn I guess um, I do like uh, I have an affinity for some of the older older shows with the um, with the more show centric um, theme song but then I think of shows like Zeta where the second season's opening is um, actually you know far more abstract. It's I guess it's more so an actual song than it is about the show itself. I know the first season is a bit more about the show, although I, w I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent. But um, I don't know. I I just like the song to be good. How many applications are there uh, believing a sign of Zeta <laughs> that have true. nothing to do with that show? Well, yeah. I mean, if anything, it just worked the title. The work work part of the title into the song basically. If I guess if it's a little bit shoehorned, but um, you know, I guess it isn't about the show, but um. No, I guess I had to go with the just the 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 song itself if it's catchy and and you and if you find yourself watching the um the opening to the show every time you watch it, um I think that constitutes uh, the the song being you know awesome as well or or at least the opening sequence being awesome and the the song going well with it, but um I don't know I I, I can't give a device a divisive answer on that I can't. I would actually uh, disagree with the premise of the question because. Mm -hmm. These days, the theme of the show really has nothing to do with the music used in a lot of shows, an exception being super robot shows where the opening is almost always about the title robot. Yeah. A lot of the songs that you see used in anime these days, you know, they're just there simply as a promotional tool by using, um, you know, an artist who's very popular at the time. Yeah, you know, for example, <laughs> I was going to say, for, uh, yeah, I was going to say the worst example was, uh, See Destiny with uh, Solbro's favorite song, uh, "Wings of Words" or whatever. The, I'm certain <laughs> the the R&B song that was like completely out of out of touch with the. Uh, it's like what? What is going on here? Yeah, it's like you look at say Double O and its first opening, uh, "Daybreak Bell" by Daybreak Bell by Larkin Ciel. Mm -hmm. You know, Larkin Ciel is super huge in Japan. 
So you have them use one of their songs, which was on one of their albums, as a Gundam song, poof, instant yeah. hit. Yeah. Um, you know, Seed and Destiny, using TM Revolution songs. They're not necessarily really about anything that has to do with the theme of Seed, but he's very popular in Japan. Yep. You know, so or, um, I would say, you know, yeah. most of the time you're going to see ops these days and endings, they're just promotional tools. Yeah. yeah and in the end, for me, I don't have any particular preference. It just comes down to do I like the individual song or not? Yeah, yeah that's true. So we have a second question from, uh, from Bob who asks, which mecha show would you say offers the most convincing and appealing futuristic society to live in, and which has the laziest setting in terms of creating an interesting future? <laughs> hmm. Um, I have to say, uh, I wouldn't say it's a 100% mecha show, but um, Ghost in the Shell all the way. Uh, yeah, you stole, you stole what I was going to say, you bastard. Uh, that's what I do. <laughs> I, think, I think that might end up, well, maybe, I don't know about Neo, but I, I, I know that's Definitely the one that's the most believable, the, the laziest one. Damn, that that could be a ton of shows. You know, I'm just going with MD guys. <laughs> you know, I was just I was gonna say that too. Damn it! Oh my gosh! Woo, man! Uh, All right, I, since you I stole have... my since you stole my thunder, like you usually do, uh, I'll agree with you on Ghost in the Shell. And I would say not laziest and. Overall, but in general, one thing that kind of bothers me about um, Gundam in general is that in some aspects, things look so much more advanced, yeah. and in others, <laughs> they look so retrograde. Right. <laughs> like, for example, why is it that in most Gundams, even in shows like Double O, which are set centuries in the future, are people still driving around in wheeled cars? I know. That's what <laughs> I was when about to say. 50-foot-tall mobile suits that can fly through the air... At, at their own whim, are people still in wheeled cars driving on concrete roads? Yeah. You know. And why, and why do these wheeled cars look pretty much like the stuff we're driving right now, for the most part? I give Double O some exceptions. Some, mm -hmm. you know, some credit like uh, that really weird uh, rent-a-taxi that Setson was driving in one episode. Oh, yeah. It looked kind of more like an enclosed bike. That was pretty neat. But that's like one car, and the rest were all like just modern-type cars. What about the uh, what about the don't don't go with Ali car, you know don't go with strangers car. Hey, there's yeah, that Ali. Car. <laughs> uh, you know if if mobile suits have like beam rifles and you know all the stuff, how come people are still running around with machine guns and bullets and yeah. pistol bullets? How come we don't have like beam machine guns Phaser. miniaturized down to a human level like phasers? <laughs> or even the fact just more like. Um, kind of um, maglev type of weapons you know like they're maybe they do fire a projectile but they're a little bit different they're not just normal gunpowder and that that's the thing that always kind of bothered me too that and the vulcans it's yeah. like and why, why would you have normal gunpowder vulcans in there well some shows they have beam vulcans like double o yeah they have beam vulcans instead of um you know the shell weapons but um, things like that, or how come people have like you know corded telephones that they talk on? It you know it's like <laughs> you're, you're creating this Galactica. You're creating this future world, but you know you just let some of the details slip away. Yeah, that's why like you know I appreciate as wacky as G looks, they got some notably futuristic thing. They've got some hover cars and you know weird things like that that you would expect to see. Mm -hmm. So I would like to see you know in Gundam. 
where it's supposed to be far into the future where you've got space colonies and giant fighting robots, you know, have everything look to scale like it should be futuristic. Or the fact that you have all this stuff but you can't synthesize salt on the white base. Huh. You have to go try to find it out of a bombed out grocery store. Hey man, if you don't have salt, you're going to die. I know. Detrimental. <laughs> I agree with both you guys on that comment. So, Okay. Uh, we'll move on to the next question, which comes from Sky Knight, who says, I'm ordering Double O and Code Geass and other anime from Amazon. Don't all do it. that I previously watched on another media. Thus, it leads to a couple of questions. First off, when you do watch the licensed DVDs, do you watch it in both sub and dubbed? Do you pay attention to the fonts of the subtitles and timing? Mm, no, but I do. I usually have a thing if I... Um... If I usually watch something originally, like if I watch it off a fan sub or something like that, and of course it's in Japanese, I usually just tend to have it in the the Japanese. Um, you know, however I kind of see it, it's kind of the way that I I watch it. But yeah, I I don't get all weird about like the timing and the font or anything like that. It doesn't really bother me, unless it was like the Ghost in the Shell movie a couple years ago where it's closed captioning. <laughs> and I, <laughs> So you, you see in parentheses, cars honking. It's like, really? Okay, thank you. But um, I'm okay. I'm I'm just the opposite. Um, I if I watched the show originally fan subbed and I see it in Japanese, I'd like to watch it in English the second time around when I own it on DVD. Um, when I watching the show for the first time, I'd like to watch it in both languages. You know, when after I, you know, eventually I'll watch it in um. <clears throat> I guess it depends on what language I like it in best that I'll watch it in first, but uh, I'll, I'll usually watch a show well, in English. Most players, you can, this, you can switch it up to Francais or Espanol, too, oh, so yeah. maybe you should just watch it that way. Hey, man, I could watch it. I can watch Hajime no Ippo in Spanish if I want to, man, yeah. but I don't. <laughs> but I watch it in Japanese and English, and um, I, you know, I, I usually don't have much of a bias unless the dub is really bad, so they're getting better. But I don't have that option with Shadow Chronicles. No, I could I wish I could have put it to Japanese. Or any Netflix show. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, can can I change the video to something else too? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, for me, you know, generally if I watch something in Japanese first, I keep watching it in Japanese. But I will eventually give the dub a listen and watch it all the way through unless it's just horrendously painful. Like Escaflone. Uh, Sky Knight also asks um, next one which I think is important is when you see the anime for the second or third time what mindset do you bring in especially when you have to rewrite the reviews for the anime that you have seen I'm sure most of you know that I was disappointed with Code Geass R2 and I'm trying to give it a second look with the DVDs I'm guessing part of that question is aimed directly at me since I've re-reviewed quite a few things and um you know, most recently Gundam Wing. So in that sense, you know, it really depends on a couple of factors like time, mm-hmm. uh, your personal viewpoints about things, and most especially in regards to time, um, how many more things you see in between the first time you watch something and then coming back to it a few years later because that changes your perspective on things. Yeah, I agree. I agree yeah. with that. That's, I mean, you really can't say it any better way than the way you just said it. I mean, that's really what matters when it comes to rewatching or even re-reviewing it. So, I think yeah, maturity level plays a factor too. Because I remember when we talked about uh, the Ghost in the Shell movie a couple episodes back. Um, you know, I know when I first saw it, I wasn't feeling it, and then you know later on, it, 
watched more um, Ghosts in the Shell in the form of the TV show and and the um, the read the mangas and whatnot and had a better understanding of the world. And going back and watching that movie, I had a much much more uh, appreciation for that universe and and the things that were presented in there. So my opinion has you know flip flopped since then. So you know time, like you said, is the biggest fa- biggest factor. Okay. Next, we we've moved on to the month of June, oh, so oh. We're in the summer now. <laughs> and uh, this question comes from someone we haven't heard from before, named Mr. Vince. Awesome. His first question. This is most likely a topic for Gundam Confidential too, as it's a Hoper and Dreamer question. <laughs> so this one's this one's right for you, Soul Bro. All right. Yeah. I won't answer. <laughs> Do you think a dubbed syndicated release of the original MSG movies immediately followed by Zeta Gundam in the mid to late eighties would have been would have proven financially or culturally successful with an American kid audience. I'd like to hear your thoughts as to why this wouldn't have worked. Well crap, I mean um we'll have to I guess hear Solbro tell us why he thinks as a Hope and Dreamer it would have worked and then it'll be up to me and Neo to around his parade and say why it wouldn't have worked. Awesome. That's what we do. So you tell us why you think that would have worked, even though it wouldn't have. I guess we're going to have this impromptu debate right here. Let's go. Um, <laughs> uh, gosh, you know, this is perfect for the Robotech.com forums. You know, um, let's so see how we can talk about Robotech. Robotech no, size. Only, um, ro- only if you turn, only if you turn uh, Zeta into part of Robotech. That's what I'm saying. It's like the, it became the a- Titans are, are, are the secret minions of the Robotech masters. <laughs> I think I think the um I think the greatest chance it would have had coming out of the '80s is if uh, Harmony Gold bought the rights and then Robotechized it as part of the universe and <sighs> you know made a dub and put it on. I mean, it was the mid '80s, so you know ad- adapting a show meant bastardizing it to a point. So um, <laughs> um, the way I see it being done, if um if it did come out in the '80s, is that it would be a part of a uh, another franchise or or something like that, and it would just be a, sh- a shell of its former self. It might have caught wind with a lot of kids back then though because there'd be nothing on tv like it besides robotech and you know giant robots were popular in the late 80s just look at transformers but um not the late 80s uh the the whole 80s (laughs) no i mean Mm -hmm. by the late 80s transformers was pretty much dead here i mean that's why it kept in japan and it stopped here that is true that is true um uh, by 86 it was losing um losing a lot of steam yeah um i don't i guess that's a loaded question depends on um but what venue it appeared on and, and being in syndication, depending on where you live, you, that show could have been you know, regulated to 5.30 in the morning for any kind of a Gundam series. So our, oh, our really reaching now, dude. Uh, if anything, you're like grasping at straws. I, I, I think in the, in the right place it would have been all, it it wouldn't have all right. It wouldn't have worked because well, well, it's like we stated earlier, Robotech was just that point in time that mm-hmm. something kind of worked like that. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't even know. I can't even comment of how the tastes or anything, or even financially stuff would even worked back then, because I have no idea how any of that stuff worked. And I mean, really, they yeah, most likely it would have been cut up, yeah. and then you would just have kind of the debate that you're having right now with uh, Macross and Robotech. But um, it's just one of those questions. Like that's a that's a huge what if, and I think. People, depending on how they feel, either way, they could justify it either way of being it. But I, I really, I think for the most part, I don't know if it would have worked because if it Robotech was as successful as it really, you know, as some people claim, I mean, it was successful, but um, you think you would have seen more of a flood yeah. of these shows coming over like that. So I don't know. It's just uh, 
this is one of those moment in time things with Robotech, and I think that's just I don't know. It just it's just a that's just a weird question. So <laughs> I'll I'll tell you why it wouldn't have worked. Go for it. And that is in the '80s, especially. You know, most of the American shows that dealt with war, like GI Joe, were very propagandistic and pro-American and pro-military, and you know, let's go get them, let's beat up all these bad guys for truth, justice, and the American way. You know, and a bunch of big brawny men doing the fighting. You look at Amaru and Camille; they're not those guys. They're guys who have, you know, character flaws. You know, they're not enthusiastic go-getters. Let's go fight the war. Hell, none, yeah, of, as, none, none of the pilots were, if you really think about it. I mean, you got Rio Jose, Rio Jose was an overweight dude. You had uh, Hayato, which was like a um, little munchkin. He's just the shrimp, the shrimp who couldn't measure up to Amaro. Yeah, and then you have Kai, who was just... Cow. Yeah, so... And even in Zeta, you had what? You had, um, um, you had Camille, then you have like uh, Roberto and Opoli, and they're just kind of goofy dudes. I mean, right. especially Opoli. Um, and then... Rakoa and stuff, you know, jilted woman and all that, and it's just like I don't know. Yeah, none of this, none of this projects the team of like, you know, let's go get them and you know, yeah, beat let's these guys save up. America and, and the world against yeah. uh, you know the people from Eastern Europe. Those shows, as they are, would not appeal at that time. So you would have had to like hack them up into something completely unrecognizable. Yeah. Also, uh, the idea is for them to be commercials, yeah. you know, to sell you crap. But in Japan. They were mainly commercial sale model kits. You would have had to have Bandai come up with like all of these, you know, actual toys for American kids that they didn't have. So I think that'd be another obstacle. Uh, the second question from Mr. Vince. This is a more realistic, hopeful question. That sounds like a moron. <laughs> Sorry to say, but you know. Anyway, Exo Squad was a good demonstration of Americans capable of making an original mech series which caters well to an American audience. Then IGPX which re was released, which wasn't so inspiring, but did show that there was some interest out there. Do you think we can expect to see a new American animated mecha series? Thanks. No. Not, any, not anytime soon. I, I hate to tell all these guys, but Man. mecha anime or mecha if, shows... If it doesn't have the name Transformers in it, then no. Probably not. It's, just, it's a very Japanese thing. It and it's just, it's, it, I mean, let's be honest, the stuff's been out for 30, 40 years now. If it was going to catch on in America, it would have caught on already. Yeah, just look at, um, look how well that um, Megas XLR did. Yeah. <laughs> it did. It, as, as, as fantastic as that show was, um, it came and went, and it's still not on DVD to this day. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're so, still waiting. I guess okay. next question. <laughs> let's see here. Even Solbro's dashing the hopes of the dreamers right now. I, I just, I, I have welcome you, to the club. Uh, yeah, <laughs> feels good to just shit for, on people, just, doesn't it? Just for shit a moment. I'm not shitting on them. I, I, I think it's a good question. I just don't see any hope for it with the way they um. But a lot of people aren't even buying anime nowadays, let alone you know buy some kind of a me mecha inspired American you know hybrid of a show. It's just. I don't know. If, I don't see that as being a hit on television. Not in this well, uh, Sober, if you want to crush somebody else's dreams, we can do that with the next question. We'll awesome. go ahead. Who come, which comes from VF1S Valkyrie. Oh. As my username indicates, I'm a big fan of Macross. Oh. That's a surprise to me. Mm -hmm. Would have never guessed. As stated in episode 46, the probability of any Macross series getting licensed is the next best thing to zero. 
My question is this. Since both Japan and North America share the same Blu-ray region, what are the odds of there being a non-English English subtitle track on the official Blu-ray discs of Japanese series, not necessarily just Macross? I would love to show my support by legally importing a series, and it seems like a relatively simple way to increase revenue. The answer, no. <laughs> no okay, seriously. Um, here's the thing that, um, that comes up a lot. Which is, you know, um, you know, oh, uh, Japanese companies could make so much more money if you know they just did this little thing to to help the international market. And from what I've seen time and again, is that Japan doesn't really give two shits about the international market. Yep. Yeah. They care about their home territory. That's where they make the money, and anything else is ancillary. And were- also, mm-hmm. when it comes to Blu-ray, they're goddamn expensive in Japan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, just recently there was announced a. Blu-ray box set of a movie series I've been watching called Kara no Kyokai, The Garden of Sinners. Yeah. Which is great. I recommend checking it out. Mm-hmm. It's uh, seven one-hour-long movies with a new half-hour OAV epilogue and a compilation film in a box set. And it has English subtitles. $400. But if you want to have it in America imported, it'll run you, with the exchange rate being what it is, about five or $600. God damn yeah. <laughs> or about eight hours of content wow you know if you wanted to buy uh the first box set of zeta gundam with no subtitles that's going to cost you around maybe three or four hundred dollars oh. you're talking about paying ridiculous prices and you know the concern of japan really is not american audiences they just don't care yeah. i'm sorry to say but that's the way it is yeah. it's a secondary or or tertiary or last place concern for them. And, and yes, you do see Blu-rays come out every once in a while with English subtitles, but it's a totally hodgepodge thing. There's no rhyme or reason to it, so it's not something you can expect on a regular or consistent basis. Mm. Well, the thing you got to realize is, you know, and this is business talk here, right? If a company is able to make something, make money off of something, they're going to do it. Right. Um, you got to look at. There's a lot more things that go into um, going into other markets than just the fact of oh, you'll expose it to more people, and hence that's going to make uh, um, you know you're going to make more money because there's barriers. You know, there's taxes, there's uh, you know fees that companies charge in imports and stuff like that. So, um, you know. And, and like you said, if the if the business's core business is is within their own country, and, and that's the way Japanese companies work, from my experience and reading stuff and research and all that, they, um, you know, it, it outside of like consumer electronics and automobiles, they really don't like going diversifying out of um, out into the the normal markets. So, you know, just because you think it seems like it's a good idea doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a good idea for them businesses. So. And doing dubs is expensive, so from what <laughs> or, I hear, or even doing subtitles, paying someone to actually translate it, you know, it might be an expense that they just don't want to take. Even even though it may not cost as much as doing the dub, but um, I know. Or more frequently, that they just might be completely oblivious about that anybody wants. Yeah, that too. I know this much. Um, this is just you know because uh, Japanese companies, uh, just to to add to this, have mm-hmm. a very funny idea of what it is that people outside of their markets want. Yeah, exactly. You know, they seem to think, for example, that uh, just shoving MSG down Cartoon Network's throat in 2001 would magically turn it in the exact same hit that it was in Japan. Yeah. 
you know, when Zeta Gundam was released on DVD here with uh, dub titles and everyone was angry about it, the um, response that I got from interviewing Bandai was that Sunrise thought that that's what American fans wanted. So, you know, it comes down to a combination of they care mainly about their home market, and when it comes about thinking to other markets, they're pretty clueless and can't think beyond the confines of the way things are in their home market. Yeah. I, know, I know I have an example. That's a big problem. I'm sure Neo would back me up. You can't export a business model that works one place and try to force it to work somewhere else. You have to adapt to the conditions of each individual area. Mm-hmm. And you have to look at the, the best example of that is the, the whole Camry accelerator pedal thing that happened here in the United States a couple of months ago. Right. The same part that is, that's used in Japan is of higher quality because of for whatever reason Toyota likes it or maybe the rules or something like that mm-hmm. to save money they put a, a more inferior part in there and not only the American cars but all the other ones wow. and so and then they were just so oblivious so well there's no problems because there were no problems in Japan and then it comes out that it's like it's a completely different product wow. completely different quality so the, in, a, in a lot of ways they're very arrogant when it comes to their ways of doing business and everything like that so i know a recent example i have is um it's a slightly different industry but um at the tokyo game show um i was watching i was watching a podcast. street fighter I know. <laughs> no no it's not street King fighter no well thank you um no um i was watching a king podcast. of street fighters thanks um <laughs> street fighter x big uh the tekken at g4 i watch a podcast every week called uh feedback G4. What's where that? where um exactly um where the staff of X-Play, they talk about the, the happenings in the gaming industry every week. And they went to the, they just came back from the Tokyo Game Show. And they were talking about the, the games that were being shown there. And whatever games that were specifically made for a Japanese audience, the developers there did not want to talk to foreign outlets about those games at all. You know, because they had no intention on selling them out of, you know, of Japan. But they, as, um, you know, foreign media wanted to at least see what the Japanese were up to so they could talk about those games as a, as a, as a point of interest. But the, none of the Japanese developers were interested in actually embellishing inf- information on those games that were just to, to any kind of uh, foreign media about those games at all. And, um, you know, they were a little disappointed with that. And they saw a lot of cool games, but they couldn't. They got next to no information on there. But um, if anything, I think that uh, I think that you're right. They just don't have an interest in... And, and sharing any uh, any or just just any 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 export uh, uh, markets, they're just not interested in them unless they they know for a fact that they can actually make money off. Well, it's a shame. The games it's been known for years because look at look at all the great Gundam games we get, and then all the <laughs> uh, all the ones they get, all so. the good ones they keep. <laughs> yeah, so. true. Well, with uh, that, that'll wrap up uh, this segment, but uh, don't run off because we've got another segment of more mailbag questions coming up. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Let us do no such Gundam thing. This episode of Gundam is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Right now they're offering special discounts to our listeners. 
Just simply go to GoDaddy.com and use the code GUN8 for 10% off any order not already discounted. GUN9 for $5 off purchases that are $30 or more on any items not already discounted. .com domain names are as low as $7.49 if you use the code GUN10. And last but not least, code 20H1 for 20% off hosting plans. For more information, you can go to gundam.net and click on the GoDaddy link in the Sponsors and Special Offers section. Don't wait too long. The domain name you've always wanted might be claimed by someone else before you know it. Register with GoDaddy.com today. Damn! Good kick, Lee. It was an accident. That's okay. We'll just say you tried to catch a cab. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to round two of the live nude mailbag. <laughs> Gonna answer some more questions for you while wearing naughty things. What are you? We're not. This is not round, kind of... round two. I thought you were gonna do your Mickey voice from Rocky. Gotta get into him, Rock! You bum! Give it to him, kid! Alright. Our first question for round two comes from Taka Tahu Nuva. Oh, that guy? Yeah, that guy with the weird name who he doesn't even know how to say it sometimes. Yeah, what the heck's up with that, man? I don't know. Neil has dubbed him that guy. (laughs) From now on, he'll refer to as that guy. That guy? That guy from the place with the thing. Yeah. Did you get that thing I sent you? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here's his question. A question that has just popped in my head. This one is for Chris. Two months ago. How do you... Yeah, well, it's end of June. (laughs) (laughs) Three months ago. How do you feel about having the same name as the protagonist from Garzi's Wing, the Holy Warrior Lord Chris? Ashamed? Dishonored, maybe? I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on this very important and serious matter. Well, weren't you named after that guy? Your parents named you after him, right? Well, yes. They, they named me after him 16 years before he existed because he didn't <laughs> exist. That guy's a punk. Screw that guy. That's, that's my answer to that question. He's an embarrassment to anyone with the name Chris. Go. Next question. <laughs> Next question comes from Gundam Maker Zero One. Hey Chris, I was just curious when you and the other hosts of Gundam are going to have another episode with Bill Whipton. In my opinion, that was one of the funniest episodes recorded, and I can only imagine the hilarity that would ensue if you brought him back. Well, um, all I can say is just keep listening. You never know what might happen in the near future. Yeah, he's pretty popular in our poll. So. Yes. <laughs> but. Uh, our next question is uh, another Hope and Dreamer question that Solbro can, can help uh, destroy the dreams of. Nice, nice. Go ahead. This one comes from um, Crestborn, awesome. who says some stuff and then asks, Do you think that if an American company teamed up with Bandai, like Takara did with Hasbro, and created the first American Gundam show, pumped out toys, bedsheets, and a new show on Cartoon Network, could that be <laughs> Gundam needs to get that good reboot or restart to gain more popularity here in the States, and do you think the show would work? Okay, so, so bro, are you going to uh, reinforce his dreams or, or crush them? Um, in this day and age, I don't Is see... it that simple? 
Oh, is yeah. it really that simple to get some bed sheets, action <laughs> figures, and team up with, um, you know, Hasbro or something to, or Kenner, or I don't even know if Kenner's still around, but, you know. Kenner. <laughs> I think they all merged with Hasbro, man. I yeah, Kenner got bought by Hasbro. Oh, okay, Just there like, you go. So. But um, all I know is the time for that would have been, I'd say, 2000. Um, I, I would I would have liked to have seen that happen, you know, but um, I don't think in this environment, there's really not, there's no, Cartoon Network isn't showing really much of cartoons anymore. <laughs> they're they're, they're the new MTV. They, the, their name has nothing to do with what they actually show. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And don't, I mean, Disney, Disney's Cartoon Network equivalent's not going to, you know, want anything to do with that. Although, you know, they've shown mecha shows in the past and had their own kind of Americanized, uh, mecha show spoof but i just i wish something like that would happen like you know those forces would collaborate but as it stands right now not going to happen unless there's a resurgence of uh mecha popularity in america and i don't think this could actually cause that to be to, to start a resurgence this would well just you, be... you can't resurge what never existed yeah yeah, yeah. you know the, <laughs> i think that's the point that every... oh. popularity of mecha in america comes down to transformers mm-hmm. ultron and maybe robotech well, I mean, it's not, there's not there's not much that's there beyond those three. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess people do gravitate to certain shows. Like Gundam Wing had a popularity for a brief moment, but it didn't start a surge of uh, mecha shows coming here and getting popular. It was just Gundam Wing that was popular, as as I'm um, seeing with Mobile Suit Gundam when it aired in 2000 and 2001 and and, and failed miserably. So, I, I, um, I think this is where people once again aren't really looking at anything. Yeah, the reason why there's a resurgence of GI Joe is because a it's an American institution when it comes to like it was created in America That's true. and B the people that have kids now a lot of them grew up with G.I. Joe mm-hmm. so this whole thing of like I mean and, and sometimes let's I hate to say this because it sounds really horrible yeah. but I think we're overstating the, the popularity that even Gundam Wing had it was a popular show on Cartoon Network it wasn't like a movement like G.I. Joe and stuff was like a movement in an industry yeah. I mean, people bought all those toys and stuff like that. It wasn't Pokemon um, or Yu-Gi-Oh, you know. Those, yeah, those blew I mean, up. And, and, and I think that's where everybody, you know, this kind of goes into the, um, Chris has a straight talk express. Maybe this is, I'll call mine, uh, um, not in fantasy world or, or the, the <laughs> reality all, express. The re- not in Candyland. Yeah. Neo's reality check. Yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> you know, it comes to a point of, um, you know, you, you live in the real world, not fantasy land. So, oh, man. Um, you, you got to hey, man, it's look. like the old tagline from the real world. What happens when people start get, be, stop being nice and start getting real? Oh, my God. They, they morph into being <laughs> fake. Yes. <laughs> and staged. <laughs> so. I'm into fake camera whores. Yeah, exactly. Pers- personally, I don't, mean to, I don't mean to crap on anybody's hopes and dreams at all because I'm a hoper and dreamer, it's too. Not, but it's, and I see, just, this I is think the thing. Being, this is yeah. the thing that – and this is where, you know – Another reality check, right? For all you hopers and dreamers, here we go. Don't take it personally, because we're saying that it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's you shouldn't take this personally, and it's just the fact of the way it is. And if, let's be honest: mm-hmm. if it was that friggin' popular, it would have been. And 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 like I said, and like I've stated too, mm-hmm. a lot of this comes down on the fandom themselves. If a lot of the fandom didn't act like idiots at conventions and stuff, Ouch. maybe people would start treating uh, anime fans in a little higher light, you know? That ain't changing. Jesus Christ. 
I, you know, anything's possible, but um, the odds are it's not going to take off. Jeez, anything's yeah, cows can fly too. Hey anything's man, you never possible, know. But come no, on, with genetic genetic engineering, anything's possible. But I'm, I'm just yes, we're going to genetic. What's it mean? Human gen- animal hybrids. <laughs> yeah, we're going to genetically engineer uh, a just, whole core of uh, Gundam fans so just, we can have live action Gundam in 20 years. So Sora can say, "I told you, just listen, I told you it would work." Just listen to the Christine O'Donnell. We got mice that can walk and talk. They got human brains, man. What next? It, she also <laughs> wants to stop the entire country from having sex because she's not. <laughs> so that chick is anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, it's my turn to step on the hopes and dreams. <laughs> oh man! Finish put on your, put this up for us. Put man. on your dancing shoes, man. <laughs> <laughs> I got my spiked clogs ready. Oh Jesus! So uh, here's the thing. It it kind of harkens back to the answer about um, last segment. The question about. Um, you know, if Zeta and MSG had been shown in the 80s in America. And like I said, you know, American cartoon shows about fighting and war are very pro-American and pro-military. You look at Michael Bay's Transformer movies, they could not be any more pro-American military than they already are. And Gundam thematically is just not one of those kinds of shows. So if you were to convince Sunrise to let someone make an American Gundam show, it would have to be so different from what Gundam actually is that you could never use that as a stepping stone to bring the Japanese things here. Number two, uh, when it comes to a franchise like Gundam and the Japanese being very protective and controlling of it, as you would expect, since that's their their sacred cow, Mm -hmm. don't think you could convince them to just sit in the passenger seat and let, say, an American company be in the driver's seat in every aspect. Yeah. They would want to step in and interfere with the things they think should be an American show or the way this should be done or the way that should be done. And then you'd end up with a piece of crap. I mean, they already tried that with SD Gundam Force and it didn't work. Oh, here's another example. Remember Doozy Bots? Exactly. <laughs> Doozy Bots, which thankfully was killed. Well, you know, it just does it just would not work. Yeah. It I just mean, would not work. I mean, think of it if I mean, think of it if like if Star Wars, if some if Japan or somebody wanted to redo Star Wars or something their way. I mean, it just wouldn't outside of the thing of you know, Lucas at all, but if people would, you know... Hey, if Japan wanted so to redo protected. Star Wars, all they'd have to do is re-release uh, Akira Kurosawa's The Hidden Fortress. Well, oh, yeah, true. That's that's all you had to do. <laughs> I understand that. Which I just, not much, just Just re-release it in, in high definition. That's right. your, your Japanese Star Wars. But, I mean, <laughs> it's the same thing. What's this old movie biting off of George Lucas? <laughs> yeah, right. Actually, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I saw recently on uh, t- our Tomopop, our good pals, mm-hmm. they had some pictures of um, a bunch of Star Wars. I think these were custom figures. Right. Star Wars characters redone as like samurai era characters. Wow. Including Chuka. That, that oh, nice. didn't take much for Luke in the first movie, did it? <laughs> No, but I mean like really, really I know, I know. Japanese looking. It was it was rather amusing. So if That's you want to check that out, um, go to uh, tomahop.com and um, you know do a little search there or go back a few pages. It's it's rather amusing. Shameless plug. Yes. So our next question, moving on to uh, we're, we're, gentlemen, we're now in July. Awesome. July 2010. Okay. Here's a question from our pal Jabman025, the self-appointed Destiny Defense Force. The Destiny Defender, plan is in, Defender of Destiny. The Destiny plan is in full effect. If Jabman ever got his own show, it'd be like Voltron, except Defender of Universe, it'd be Defender of Destiny. 
job man <laughs> defender of destiny followed by judo and the junkyard kids Woo! yeah that that'll be that um that'll be that little uh, like, action block that'll be that two minute short in between the commercial break of jab man and the uh, <laughs> defense force and now time for judo and the defense force so then you have old ass uh, bill cosby you know judo and the junkyard kids they got into a little trouble it's like they found them what's called a handgun. What are they gonna do? Let's see. Sorry. They found a crack needle. <laughs> they found some used condoms. They, they found a baby in a dumpster. What are they gonna do? Mondo wanted to sell it. <laughs> Beecher wanted to eat it. Yeah. And Judo said, no, let's give it to the orphanage, because we're orphans ourselves. And then, all, and then the general came in and killed everyone, because he hates war orphans. Okay, oh, no. so, okay, so uh, this question uh, seems to be squarely aimed at Solbro, so I think that Neo and I will bow out. Oh, that's fine. Uh, there have been those that have criticized movies such as Avatar, The Last Airbender, and The Prince of Persia for the use of white actors in roles that were based on either Asian or Middle Eastern characters. There has been a lot of uproar among fans about the race of the actors who play these characters. In a recent comment on Twitter, Solbro Ryu was one of the ones who were against this movie. What is the big deal here? The Last Airbender is set in a mystical fantasy world. Is it really that important on who plays the characters? As long as they stay true to the story, I really don't care who plays what. I mean, if they ever made a live-action Evangelion or Gundam movie and the story is not set in Japan with Japanese actors, would there be an uproar? Oh, it God, may just yes. be a case of me being a white guy and not fully grasping the importance of race, but for me, at least, it really doesn't matter. The source material for these movies has references in Asian and Middle Eastern culture, but they are vague at best. Am I crazy, or am I the only sane man left? Well, do you really want me to answer that last part for you, Japan? <laughs> I refrain from both questions. <laughs> okay, well, actually, you know, I gotta step in a little bit here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ahead, on, on the part about uh, the source material, I mean, I've not seen The Last Airbender, but I intend to get him around to it the cartoon that is not the movie but you, you know you look at it and it just screams asian yeah. uh as someone who has played the prince of persia games it's anything but uh vague references i mean it's the exact opposite that's the whole point of the setting you know it's the prince of persia yeah so you know i'm not going to argue the merits of uh Jabant's arguments but it's they're they're not vague references it's not something just a passing fancy it's a, clearly a part of the aesthetic and the core of what the games are so so, Solbro, you uh, please give us your perspective on this, since he's specifically picking you out. Wow. Well, um, this is this is a controversial. Did you question. see the movie? Yeah, I actually saw the movie. Okay. Um, when I went to go see the movie, and I'm not a, I'm not, I haven't really watched the show either. The show itself, I caught glimpses of it anytime it was on TV, and I was pretty impressed with what they were putting on. But just as you, Chris, had mentioned, when I watched that show, it's so rooted in you know Eastern, Far Eastern culture, and 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 you know Oriental. You know, has an oriental type setting at least you know a, 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 an ancient oriental setting that it you would expect the whole cast to be asian and um when you watch the show you know granted everybody looks caucasian but that's just the anime style um that doesn't mean it literally has to translate to a live action version featuring that like for instance there was a big uproar the other day on um on the internet because uh there was a black actor who's on featured on community his name is uh donald glover he wanted to play spider-man and um, oh, that guy! Yeah, I remember yeah. that. And um, you know, people just went ape shit 
over that. It's like, well, Spider-Man can be played by a black guy. He can't be played by that, blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I thought the guy had balls, for, you know, for putting himself out there. It's like he wanted to, he wanted the role. But at the end of the day, I knew that wasn't going to happen. I knew Marvel yet, was not going to. Yet everyone is cool with yeah. there being a black Nick Fury. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, it, at least I was established in the comic books. So, you know, there well, was the something universe. in the Ultimate Universe, and that's where they got the inspiration to actually cast Samuel L. Jackson to be the role. Samuel also had an interest in it, and that was just a match made in heaven. But when it comes to minorities in Hollywood, they usually don't have a chance to even be, even be leads in movies, especially Asians, for Christ's sakes. They rarely get the chance to be leads in movies. Like, the, 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 the Asian star that has the, that's had the most impact over the last 40 years was probably Bruce Lee, and he was just starting to get warmed up when he died. But since then, and he had to pretty much forge his own path to, to be featured in his own movies, and he, and he went the behind-the-scenes route. You also have uh, Jackie Chan and whatnot, but usually when Jackie Chan does American movies, you know, they really don't do much with him, and they don't really take advantage of him like in the movies that he does. So when you have a big Hollywood production of an adaptation of a pseudo-anime based in a, um, a, a universe that's, you know, based upon Asian culture and whatnot, it makes perfect sense to have the lead who has an Asian name for Christ's sake to be Asian. And I understand how Hollywood thinks when they want to market a movie, they're going to cast usually Caucasian actors in there because they know the majority of moviegoers are going to be Caucasian and they want to relate to themselves. It's like the whole discussion we have on Gundam where, you know, you see young teenage boys as the pilots because that's what's usually watching the show. Um, that's their demographic they're going for is young teenage boys to watch the shows and buy the products. Well, we also but, talked about this when there was a question in an earlier mailbag about there being a black Gundam pilot and, yeah. you know, that for all of the uh, racial diversity there is in America, mm-hmm. it sure as hell represent, represented on screen with most <laughs> movies still being mainly about white people. Yeah, and yeah. so many talented black actors playing second fiddle to a bunch of white people. Yeah, Unless you're Will Smith or Denzel. Exactly. I mean, or Samuel L. Jackson. Well, to an extent, but Will Smith and Denzel are like, they're, they're the ones that are basically, they're the color neutral minority yeah. actors. I mean, I mean, for God's sake, uh, this may be only known for like a sports fan, but uh, the former quarterback of uh, Arizona Cardinals, Kurt Warner, mm-hmm. they're talking about making a, a movie about his life because he's a true rags to riches type of story. Right. His wife said she'd like Denzel Washington to play him in the movie. Now, if anybody's <laughs> ever seen Kurt Warner... He is this, as white as as white can be. I think he's from, like, Idaho or something. So, but Wait, here's my question about that. How many inspirational sports movies has Denzel Washington been in? Too oh, many. God. Like, what? Remember the Titans? Um, Which, God, he's been in quite a few. Yeah. Exactly. So, But it, it's just funny that, that something like that would be said because, I mean, it's like, wow. <laughs> but... I don't know. I just, you know, it, it's 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 what people have been naming as the whiteification of um, of, of 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 cinema, and you know, minorities don't get the shot that they should get. I, I don't know film. if I'd necessarily make. I mean, you're making it, it to an extent. Well, yes. I, I guess I'm alone in this with all the people who actually responded to this in articles and whatnot, because um, I, I I don't know because you're having a, you're having a lot of you're having a lot of no, car- just... you're having a lot of movies being remade yeah. where their characters are being changed up. So I mean. Yes, there is an issue. Are we at where we should be? No, but you can't sit there and say that like this is, um, uh, you know, 1933 and the Academy Awards for uh, Gone with the Wind, mm-hmm. and the woman that wins the friggin' Academy Award can't even go to the damn thing. So I mean, I, I understand like the question, that, but, but I, you, we can you can't. S- right. It, it, it's it's, it's not. Look, you have look. to wonder that with Last Airbender, which of course I yeah. haven't seen the movie, 
that all no of clue. the yeah. Asian-themed good characters were played by white people, white people. Yeah. and all of the Asian-themed bad characters were played by dark-skinned people. Yeah, yeah that's and just... Uh, and it's hilarious to me because Shalaman himself is, um, is of Indian descent, and yet you know all the villains in this movie <laughs> are the same race as him. And it's just, it just, I don't know. It, it was, it was a bad translation. But, I saw but the, the movie thing you got to realize too, when it comes to, and, and also this also comes down to the business of stuff too. Okay. When it comes to, I'm not defending it. I'm just no. saying you got to look at it in a business no, I mean, sense. I know so that's the reality of the you situation. You got to let me finish my point. Oh, go ahead. Because I, I, I haven't so even so made a point for point. you to make a counterpoint on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, especially when it comes to leads, sometimes why do you have big name actors and stuff in there? Why do you have? Why do you have Tom Cruise in The Last Samurai? You know, it's stuff like that. And it's because people, there's a lot of people that watch movies because of a specific actor. I know that. So that's why they do it that way. I'm not saying it's in for this case. Yeah. But you, you know, you just can't sit here and make all these blanket statements for things. You also have to look at, guess what? Hollywood is a business. Yeah. And they're going to do things, you know, if you're spending millions upon dollars on something, you know, a lot of times... Do they cast the right actors for every part? No, they don't. They t but do, are they able to take a chance, and does it work a lot of times for certain movies? Yes, it does. So it, it's, just, it's just, I don't know. I, for, for the topic of this question, yes, I think Asian people are getting what, you know, probably black people experienced like 20 and 30 years ago yeah. when it comes to like, you know, in all those movies in the 70s and 80s, all the crooks and thugs were black people, okay. but yet, like, all the thing, you know, and, and now it's kind of changed a little bit with, like, actors and like that, but... All, all I know is they could have taken more of a chance with this film, since there was no big names in it to begin with, and they could have they could have gone the extra yeah, to get an Asian lead. I honestly think they could have. There are plenty of young Asian boys out there that could have easily played that role of Andy. <laughs> that sounded Asian really boys. bad. <laughs> There's lots of young Asian boys that could have felt the part. I didn't mean to There's so many them. delicious young Asian boys that would have been adequate for the task. I didn't mean to direct this conversation into the <laughs> territory, but um, no, I mean, there's plenty of young Asian boys. One of the people, you know, if, 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 if I was casting this movie, there's plenty of young actors that could have done it of Asian descent. Just say that. Of Asian descent. But, you know, if I was casting this movie, I would have put in, um, Remember that kid that was in Tropic Thunder? The, the comments of Soberry you are solely zoned do not use a gun MH oh. station. Well, yeah. Okay. The, the, the Let's kid just they, move on. Ultimately, yeah. the kid they put in the movie was so bland, and I just think it was a waste of opportunity. Dude, we're done. 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 We're done. Go ahead. Go Let's ahead. go. Next question. Next question comes from Anubis. Go ahead. A young Asian boy, Anubis. <laughs> he says, this is a question I've been wondering about since I started hearing your podcasts. Why does Solbro like King Arthur? No. Um, <laughs> you guys have complained slash criticized about the way certain shows about the way certain shows fan base. From the top of my head, Evangelion fans and ADV itself calling Evangelion the best show ever. Chris has also made some remarks about Star Trek fans. This leads me to wonder: Do you guys have any other sh shows in which your enjoyment of a show has been lessened, so to speak, by the fan base and the way it was marketed? Or yes. does the fan base really not affect how you enjoy a show at all? Inuyasha. Wow. I like Inuyasha. I'm proud to say it. I like that. But God damn it. it be before the Narutards, you had the, the idiot Yashas. 
because you know it's the same way. The Yashas. The idiot Yashas. <laughs> or maybe Baka Yashas. Yeah, Baka Yashas. But um, you know, the, 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 yeah, I, I think so. And I, I even see, I even think to like a Naruto. I'm not a big Naruto fan, but I've watched some episodes. They've been enjoyable. But god damn it, if you go to a friggin' convention, you see these <laughs> idiots running around in those damn with those damn headbands and crap, and like, especially in Florida. Yes. Huh. I, I just, I mean, and I, I can see why it's just like, oh, you're almost afraid to talk about it. And um, yeah, so that's my take. Those are two okay. great examples. Solbro? For me. Man, um, I, I usually fan bases don't ruin a show. Oh, and Ava fans too. So. They really don't. You, if I find a show that I like. Because you hate Ava. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Now, usually if I find a show that I like, you know, I you know I may get sick of the fan base, but it doesn't ruin my enjoyment of the show. What? When it comes to stuff I haven't been opened up, I haven't been opened up to or watched, like say uh, Twilight, for instance. You know, that, that whole fan base just. You know, why I are just, you even? Why are you? Even, I'm I'm just thinking of a fan base are, that gets on my last nerve. Why should it get on your last nerve? I you're not know. a young girl, and you're not a you're not a or an old not, woman. It's not, it's yeah. not aimed towards me, but you know, I, I just, why are you even? Oh. <laughs> the, I'm just answering. Are you question. Team Jacob or Team well, Network? Man, let's let's just judge Soul Pro's answer. Let's just let's just make it that the, the, the segment about that. No, shut I just, the fuck up. <laughs> Well, of all the things you brought up, Twilight. Well, I mean, it has a pretty rapid fan base, doesn't it? It's pretty <laughs> like you, you don't base. like Full Metal Alchemist, but half half because of the base, the fan base that follows it. So I mean, that and the idiocy of equivalency equivalent exchange. That that's it. Because yeah. <laughs> there's more to the show than that. But um, you know, it's just I, I just have have no interest in Twilight. Um, may, not only because of the demographic it attracts to, but you know, I, I like vampires. <laughs> And I, you know, I just, do, you know, this is especially young Asian boy vampire. <laughs> there, you, there you go, there you go. The most appetizing. No, I'm just kidding. Well, but, Shark um, Boy isn't he kind of Asian or is he Spanish? <laughs> I, 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 I think he's I, Spanish, isn't he? That's the only thing I can think of. And that, and, um, holier, 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 holier art than thou Star Wars fans. I'll tell you another. Oh I'll tell you another fan base that annoys me. What's up? And I'm going to get crap for this one. Lost fans. Lost fans, because I've worked with a few. Uh-huh. And I'm not saying between you guys, but there's a lot of people that are like, if you don't watch this show and you don't, if you don't get it, then you're an idiot and you don't know what's good. <laughs> and it's like, wow, that really makes me want to finish your, sh- your show. Gee, thanks. And you know what I'm talking about. Lost fans. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm just telling you. That's, uh, I mean, there's, the a, there's that a lot are- of holier-than-thou lost fans. There's a lot of people who are yeah. overzealous is about there? it, I'll admit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Lost was a show. Did I say it was you? I hey. just said it was... I just, I'm just saying it was people I worked with. There was a couple of guys I worked with that mm-hmm. were huge Lost. Oh, I don't take offense. I mean, they even wore the stupid shirts. The, the, wow. The um, Umbrella the... Corporation logo shirts. <laughs> the, the Dharma Initiative? Yeah. Oh, that's right. They kind of look like Umbrella. Huh. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, them too. And Star Wars fans too. They're, you go. they're mighty... They're mighty pretentious. This, this shit doesn't stink. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at you, the guy, creator, family guy. Ooh. Ugh. Damn. Well then, Chris. Okay. Uh, when it comes to anime and even live-action TV shows, I don't let the fan base affect my enjoyment of the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like Evangelion, and its fan base being ever annoying doesn't bother me. Uh, <laughs> but there are plenty of annoying fan bases out there that do bother me, separate from the actual product. Uh, for example, in video games... Uh, Sonic fans oh. are the whiniest, yeah. annoying bitches in the world. Yeah, they are. Oh my god! I mean, they, the way they freak out over every like tiny thing, you know, like uh, over Sonic Four 
oh my god, he's not drawn in the old style. He's not fat. Uh, his eyes are, are green instead of blue. And, you know, uh, he, he's, uh, his shoes are this color. And, you know, nice graphics are, you know, two and a half D in HD with that instead of sprites. And, and you know, his work <laughs> animation looks slow. And it's like, oh my god, shut the hell up. They just, need to, they just need to come out the furry closet already. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but, you know, that I understand that... Uh, many Sonic games suck recently. You know, the old Sonic is gone. And, you know, I'm well aware of the Sonic cycle. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up on Google. And the one image that you see will explain everything you need to know about Sonic games of the last, like, ten years. So those people just annoy the shit out of me because they are just so whiny and entitled and possessive. And, ugh, I, I can't stand them. But it doesn't lessen my enjoyment of the good Sonic games that I like. So, moving on, our next question comes from KK of the Funk Off. All right. KK of the Funk Off. I think he used to open up for Parliament. (laughs) Maybe he opened for for Casey and the Sunshine Band. Yeah, well, possibly. So, he asks, okay, this has been bugging me for some time, but at the end of the first season of Double O, we see that Alleluia gets defeated by... Soma Paris, and what's left of Kyrios with him in it is taken back to Earth. But what happened to the remains of Kyrios? Did the A-Laws use what was left to get a better idea of what the Gunmans were capable of, or did they just take the pilot, interrogate, and imprison him? Thanks, guys. I love the show, and keep on rocking. Okay, I can actually answer this one. Go for it. Because um, on um, various official Japanese websites, they've had um, little things have been released over the last year or so that are an image of something that you didn't see in the show but is explained. Mm-hmm. One of them is a picture, uh, a very strange-looking picture of um, the Kyrios being um, in the custody of the Human Reforming League, and they've replaced one of the arms that got blasted off of it with an arm from uh, a Tyran and with the hand of a Jinx. Okay. And they were trying to reverse engineer the technology and try to get the suit working and understand it. And it was also hooked up to a battery because obviously its GN drive was gone. Right. right. And they were using the uh, the Jinx hand for like uh, power transmission, but it just didn't work and they abandoned it. Oh, there you go. So, there's your answer. Right on. All right. Uh, our next question comes from Strike Zero who says, I've got a question. Do you guys know, personally, any female fans of mecha or science fiction anime? And if so, do they differ in any noticeable fashion from male fans of mecha anime? Well, let me just first say that there's no such thing as a female fan of <laughs> So, I don't know why you're it, The thickness of people's imaginations, huh? So, uh, Sobro, why don't you uh, give us an answer on this one? Um, I, I, I don't know any personally that are, like, gung-ho female fans of, of mecha and anime i've talked to a few on the internet and whatnot but um you know they uh, as far as i know a lot of them like specific shows as opposed to the whole genre um i this is not to generalize all female fans out there because they're i'm sure there's somewhere in the world and maybe some of our listeners are female fans that love us that mecha anime is their favorite genre but i personally don't know them so <laughs> hey you know we got our, our pal kishiria who's a faithful listener yes indeed and, and um and military veteran hell yeah if anything, um, I know that she loves, you know, quite, quite, a, quite a, a many show of, of mecha anime. But um, I would imagine so, given her name. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and she's all around awesome. So if anybody, that's the one person I can name off the top of my head. Okay, uh, Neil. 
I know a few, and it's kind of sporadic of what they like. Um, some you would think they would like certain things, and some, uh, but they don't. Um, it, it's a little weird. I, I think it's. I think female fans, from what I notice, look at more of the show as more of a genre type of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen that some like certain super robot shows, but then some think they're way too testosterone driven. And um, they like some of the real shows, but some are like too real, like a Votomes or something like that. So it's I, I think it's I think it's more of a thing where we're I think guys are a little bit more genre based, women are a little bit more show based, and um, you know once again I think that just shows the differences between man and woman. So that's about it. Okay, uh, I actually know quite a lot of uh, male mecha and sci-fi anime fans. So uh, here's how they're different. Um, they have breasts and vaginas. Nice. Yeah, that too. Great assets. <laughs> the puns. <laughs> Punny pun pun. Oh. <laughs> Next question, which is also from Strike Zero. <laughs> if GC of your had been produced as an animated movie or series, or filmed and produced by a Japanese film studio instead of a Canadian one, Damn. would it have been any better than it is now? If Ooh. so, how so? So, Neo, why don't you tell us your thoughts on this very important question? Well, I hate all the Canadian hate, but um, because Canada does produce some nice stuff. But um, no, Canada sucks, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing you can do about that. Sorry, Canadian listeners. I don't know. I I think if it was that important to the Japanese to create G Savior, it would have been created by the Japanese. (laughs) So I think that's really where that lies. Instead of sent (laughs) sent off to the uh, the production Siberia, relatively speaking, (laughs) that it went to sent off to Vancouver. (laughs) So. But I mean, because you can see like um, you know, like stuff like um, like Battlestar Galactica. Well, they're filmed in Canada. They're not really produced in there. But I don't know. I mean, G Savior, G Savior was very weak, just mainly because of its story. So and 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 certain things like that. And I, you know, so I I can't really say if the Japanese would have done any better in it. So, so bro. I don't know. Um, I just don't know if the the Japanese have the uh, you know equivalent uh, production you know uh, capabilities. You know, I I think it's Are you crazy. Uh, it, it wasn't. This wasn't. Yeah, the same. I mean, you think they have about the same? Yeah. Hey, have uh, you seen have you seen the trailers for the live action Yamato movie? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen those. No, yeah. I not. I I need to check those out. But um, back they're, when they're I'm, not on your DVR, so you'll have to go look. Oh well, not everybody. Not everything can be there. <laughs> but no, um, I, I guess uh, I guess that you know, if it was made in Japan, it would have people who would know Gundam a whole lot more, and you know, it might be a more truer representation of a of a live action Gundam if they did it. But would it have been better? We'd have to we have to see the execution to find that out. Um, With that script, probably not. Probably not. No, I would I expect the script to be better written if it was written by the Japanese though. I thought like Japanese. If it if it was the same story, mm-hmm. it would be bad no matter what the medium was. Yes, indeed. Yeah. But if it were animated, it would probably be at least a bit more visually tolerable. Yeah, yeah, and be more consistent. So, next question comes from Mobius Diablo. Okay, I got a question. We have Pedobear North and Pedobear South, oh. but who are Pedobears East and West? What <laughs> makes a person a Pedobear in your eyes? I know what a Pedobear is, but what makes a Gundam Pedobear? <laughs> well, have you ever listened to these two guys on when they're on I guess as a show on the show? That's what makes a Pedobear. <laughs> That's what and, makes a Gundam Pedobear. 
pretty much, and as opposed to east and west, well, just uh, haven't found them. Yeah, we, we we have some slots open. So in in the uh, in the gun in the in the pedo bear uh, mecca that's sitting out there, we need we need east and west to complete <laughs> the uh, transformation. So. And, and then uh, for the Sentai team, uh, pedo bear central. Yeah, so, yeah. As oh, as the 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 red the red pedo bear. Pedo yeah. bear Midwest. <laughs> so, I mean, the the, the sky is burning. Bright with um with the lollies, um, yeah, with lollies in the east. So, but um, yeah, it's uh definitely I don't know. I mean, there's pedo bear north and pe- or pedo bear east and pedo bear west. Definitely, uh, I'm sure we can hold tryouts. I'm sure north and south can hold tryouts for your worthiness as being part of that team. Show us your All right. Our next question comes from uh surprisingly a uh, a female anime fan. Oh, awesome. Female mech fan, uh, Kosh, and she asks. Have you guys considered doing a spotlight on Xenogears? I understand it's a controversial game, but I find it's unique in being an RPG tribute to the history of mecha anime from the past. You've got your giant monster and super robot style mechs. The recent past, lots of grunt-like real robots, to the very recent, slightly wanky, religious symbolism-laden storyline. Hell, at one point they throw in the most blatant Macroft reference ever, Super Dimensional Gear Yggdrasil. Aside from that, the game's storyline plays out very similarly to 80s real robot storylines, almost a cross between Gundam, Evangelion, and Dunbine. I'd love to hear you guys talk about it. I've never played it, so... I played... <laughs> Sorry. I played, like, very limited portion of it, and so... I, I, know it's, I know it's importance when it comes to certain fan bases and stuff, but, I mean, I'd have to play it to be accurate. So, bro, I, I thought it was a really cool game. I thought the uh, the one thing annoyed me about it was the uh, the dialogue, um, the fact that you couldn't speed it up. Uh, playing that game sometimes just would, you know, I just I'd peter out and just stop playing. But I went through the whole game and I I, I thought it was very innovative for its day. It's made by the uh, some of the same team that created Chrono Trigger, which is my favorite RPG of all time. And um, I I saw all those references in that game and it, it made me love it. Uh, but uh, I, I I wouldn't mind doing a review of it personally. But um, maybe I'll I will, we'll we'll do something like that in the future where it's just me and somebody else who's played the game who knows well you could always <laughs> just do the review by yourself i could i could but i'd rather That's have someone else to bounce of off of do. oh well maybe you could be like your boy from ain't it cool news i could i could be just like uh i guess you harry knows man you could write something like that just that fap blade all two. over it yeah that way too thing <laughs> like i could write write my own equivalent to the blade 2 review oh, oh the, man. the only thing you mentioned about it is, is the title of it at the beginning and the end of the of the review and then squaresoft proceeded to perform uh, let me just stop there yeah. yes please <laughs> yeah. please stop okay uh her next question is has any of you guys ever met Tamino in one of his American con appearances? Um, if we had, you'd have known about it. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a whole segment. Probably but if I ever show. see him, I want to try to get him to throw something at me. <laughs> Ma- mainly an RX-78. That's like, sir, I built this model just so you could throw it across the room. Please do. <laughs> Please throw this perfect grade at me that I built just for this occasion. Yeah, I spent $200 on I want you to curb stomp this perfect grade for me, please. <laughs> We're going to take pictures. <laughs> No. Be the best. <laughs> okay. Next, we have uh, two questions from White Glint. Awesome. His first one: Have you guys ever heard of the PS2 game called MS Saga: A New Dawn? It was a turn-based Gundam RPG with good gameplay mechanics, 
kind of a cliched story. Mm-hmm. If you have, would you recommend any other games like it to someone who likes mecha and RPGs? Um, I would say if you like mecha and RPGs, you certainly can't go wrong with Super Robot Wars, a uh, strategy RPG series. You can pick up uh, the two original generation games on Game Boy Advance. Uh, of course, if you have a DS or DS Lite, you can still play those games, so they're great stuff. Right. Uh, if you like more along that line as well, you know, there's uh, Front Mission, which is uh, definitely Mecha RPG. Yep. And um, that's about it. Uh, it's, not a, it's not an RPG, but I will, on Soul Bros behalf, recommend uh, Mobile Ops The One Year War because it's such a fantastic game <laughs> available at your local Japanese retailer. So great, it causes a guy to buy a console. <laughs> 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 so, Sobro, what would you recommend? Um, I, I used to own uh, MS Saga New Dawn, and I, I, I appreciated the concept, but the, the story was so cliched that I just lost interest. How really cliched did. was it? Um, really cliched. It borrowed a lot from Gundam, you know, the the mass individual, the um, the uh, the the teenage po- accidental teenage pilot, and all that other stuff. But other than the customization of the uh, mobile suits, that was like the one thing that the, mo- the main thing that interested me. And you know, I just I lost interest uh, halfway through the game. I ended up trading it in. But mm-hmm. um, other than that, other uh, mecha-based RPGs, uh, you pretty much named all the ones yeah, I would have named myself. Yeah, that's those are pretty much. Um, if you want them, those are the ones you list. Are pretty much the ones you want to do. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Uh, his second question, also purely out of curiosity, but I was wondering where a certain soundbite using the podcast comes from. Oh, it's the one where an angry young woman chews out a lazy-sounding guy who eats too much pizza. It sounds like it's from Welcome to the NHK, but I'm not entirely sure. Thanks, guys. So that's all you, soul bro. All right, um, that, that actual soundbite is from Devil May Cry, the live action. That's Dante yeah. arguing with um, Trish. Trish about um, the fact he eats way too much pizza, and then um. Three, lady, lady interrupts them, saying yeah. that um, she's tired of them squabbling and just wants to know what the hell is going on. So um, yeah, it's from the uh, Devil May Cry anime um, English dub. Man, I thought people would know that. I'm just kidding. Thank you for asking that. I I, I realize now there's no basis of reference in that clip of what show that's from. So that's a pretty cool question. Okay. Um, next question comes from Kosh again, and she asks. <laughs> she asks. Has Solbro started watching Legend of the Galactic Heroes? If so, who are some of his Solbro men in the show? So far, most I've seen aren't pathetic enough, but Fork certainly seems to qualify. Nice. Well, it's funny you should ask that because, um, you know, as far as I know, Solbro has not. Is, is that correct? Uh, Solbro has not watched it yet. And, and, and is that because it's not on the DVR? It's not on the DVR. What if you put <laughs> the discs with, like, the burned episodes on top of the DVR? Would that be, like, close enough to me to say hey, maybe I should stick this in my computer and watch these episodes. Is there got, like a, a DVR feel that emanates around around it and, and makes you want to watch stuff in its I've, general vicinity? I've got all the episodes on my 360, and they're just waiting to be watched. So um, I will I will get to it. I, 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 let me I think finish. they'll be waiting a long time. Oh, man, it'll be a long time to get through them, too. You, you, must, you must remember, Kosh, uh, Solbro works for the cable company, so he uh, gets like $500 worth of cable for probably like $10. So he watches everything he can on cable. Oh yeah, I do. Because I, before Kate, before he watched, before he worked for the cable company, Solbro was a very avid watcher of anime, <laughs> and he would have blown, he would have blown, he would have blown through Legend of the Galactic Heroes. But uh, th- th- this guy not only that, but the American TVC fall season is starting right now. So oh, yeah, yeah tell me about so it. So it's like. Um, 
until you know he loses his job or gets a new job or whatever, and he has to actually pay for cable again. Um, he'll probably probably know Legend of the Galactic Heroes. But if, if Legend of the Galactic Heroes is like Boardwalk Empire, calling me there. Yeah. So <laughs> exactly. Or or if it's not on Netflix, oh. he's not going to get it either. Yeah, it's hard to compete, man. Yeah, it's, hard it's to compete, dude. I got Netflix and all the cable channels. I, I know. I, I know it's sickening. Yeah, but doesn't <laughs> it is sickening and. And but Media Center, uh, uh, Windows Media Center works just as well. It does as as as, as, as uh, Netflix. So. Hey, at least I acquired the show. I've got it now. I just need to sit down. Well, that doesn't it's, mean it's much of anything unless you actually watch, watch it, does it? it. it yes. doesn't. Hey man, I watched Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> you know what? We're moving on. All yeah, right, I'm then. not even getting into that. Uh, Kasha's second question: Considering how fad-driven the anime industry is, isn't it strange that we haven't seen a number of? L-O-G-H-like shows, sure, there's a few similar sci-fi stories like Crest of the, Star, Crest of the Stars, mm -hmm. but it's surprising that it didn't spawn a new genre of anime as far as I know. For example, the original Gundam created not only the concept of the anime real robot, but also a certain plot structure that many of its 80s followers tried to copy. Perhaps it's because L-O-G-H is a bit too complex to imitate. Any thoughts? Well, the industry certainly is fad-driven, but mm -hmm. something has to be popular to become a fad. Yeah, and while LGH is known and has a uh, you know very devoted fan base, it's a small fan base, and it's never been something of wide ranging popularity. And this never, is a hundred ten episode OAV show that was paid for by the people subscribing to it. it. It was never really that big when it was coming out. I think it's it's um it's one of those shows that I think has more life at you know years after, um you know it's. You know, people are uh, into it, so yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, it's a show that's been hardly commercialized. Yeah, I've seen there's a few model kits of some ships, like you know the uh, the Brunhild and um, mm -hmm. a few like Imperial and uh, you know um, other ships, but there's just not much to commercialize with that series. Hey, you know what I like about uh, Galactic Heroes fans, though? Uh, unlike other anime fans who live in Fantasyland, um, the Galactic Heroes fans, we 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 love the show. But we know there's no way in hell it's ever going to come to America <laughs> or ever be made into a live-action movie, and we, we've accepted that. So I think that's. And um, I guess to close out this, this, these questions, uh, we have to determine a Solbro's man. Um, Kosh uh, nominates Fork, but I think when we discussed the show, I mentioned um, Flegle, and uh, I'll stick to him. Yeah, I think Fork. Yeah, Fork wasn't. Um, he wasn't really in it as much, and Flegel was just. He was just crazy. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was just a nutty guy. So. Yeah, I, I definitely. I, Flagel is definitely the guy. Solbro's man is too milquetoast to be crazy. Is that right? <laughs> well, actually, I'll be honest with you. If you know, three years from now, when you finally do see the show, right? Um, <laughs> you, I don't think you'll be offended too much about uh, this selection of a Solbro's man with Flagel. I mean, he he was he was kind of a weasel, but you know, he actually did do some things. And he was a little integral to the plot. He's actually very integral to the plot at one Easy point. Enough. So Okay. Next. Our next question comes from uh, the Foul Sorceress, who asks, What do you think the announcement of Turning Gundam being licensed for the U.S. release bodes for other unlicensed Gundam series? Also, if Gundam X gets licensed, does that mean Solbert's petition worked? And will he do a victory dance in vindication of all the teasing he has suffered at his co-hosts ribbing on the subject? I'll, I'll Solbert. Are you going to dance? 
I just might I might have to get up and boogie a little bit. You're gonna <laughs> do the Carl, I, you're gonna I, do the Carlton. Hey man, I didn't invent the petition. I just I just made mention. I just of assigned exist, it and endorsed it. An existing position, and I did sign it for that. Not that I know that that's gonna contribute to anything. Um, positions rarely do work. Um, I've seen I can cite some examples where they have worked, but um, they're too far and few in between for them to to make much of a difference. Um, but as for yeah, if it does get licensed, man, yeah, I, I will uh, I will rub it in these guys' faces. <laughs> not that they'll care not that they'll care at all we won't and whatever we'll just uh continually dismiss you as a hopeless dreamer there you go there i you go. i don't know how and it all is right with the world i don't know how it bodes for the other releases but and if if i lived in fantasy land and since they're they've already done the dynasty warriors dub i think we'll be <laughs> expecting a double zeta afterwards <laughs> so um yeah i don't know i mean it's I'm still kind of um, surprised by this, but once again, it, it's just an announcement that it's being licensed. Until I see it on the shelves, I'm not going to believe it. Because it took how many years for Zeta to get, get out after it was licensed for the U.S.? Because, yeah, um, you know, Comic-Con happened in July, and we haven't heard word one yeah. follow-up about Turn A since. So let's wait until Turn A actually comes out before we start to uh, try to imagine what will happen. Yeah. I mean. Until we see discs printed. Yeah, <laughs> cover We're art. Holding them, cover art at least. And there's a pre-order date on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Next, we have some questions from our pal Dalo, who says, "I was reading about Unicorn, and something hit me. We know that Chris knows what happened to Amaru and Char at the end of Char's counterattack. But would any of you like an official story, Unicorn or something else, from Sunrise on what happened to them? They died, right? That's what they said. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's not, not sunrise... much more." Not much more that official than that. <laughs> I mean, unless you want like something on Sunrise Company letterhead uh, put out, I, I, that was where I always knew that they died. It was Sunrise saying that. So I don't know. I think the most they could do is add if they ever decided to do a director's cut of the movie, um, they would just throw in an additional scene of them just getting cooked up in the atmosphere. <laughs> all of thirty seconds of that getting um, selled. <laughs> getting settled basically and um that's all we could uh that's all that we could uh, achieve to see you know I, you know some confirmation would be nice but you know i think they've given out all the they confirmation they've the given confirmation so, yeah i mean like, like on screen like on you know on screen confirmation as opposed to just you know an after afterthought but um yeah i mean i i i accept that they're dead i mean since they're not in unicorn and they're not in any other future iteration of um universal century gundam what can you do all right uh next question have you have you guys seen Big Windup? And if you have, what did you think of it? No. I haven't seen it. Sorry, I haven't seen it. Shortest answer ever. Last question from Dalo. Since we know Gundam would not work as a live-action movie, thank God, what mecha show do you guys think would work as a live-action movie? Voltron. None. <laughs> Robotech. I, I, I think Votoms might, but that's just me. That's just me. That's the closest thing, or maybe like Gasaraki or something. Something, something that's you know that yeah. you can, that's feasible, um, or you know more realistically sound. Or Ghost in the Shell, if we were to take it that far. But even Code Geass, because they were the nightmares were pretty small too. Mm. But yeah, you're not going to be seeing uh, Mazen Kaiser or Mazinger live action, huh. or Gundam yeah. for that matter. <laughs> Next, we have a question from Prince of Zeon, who strangely has Raul Crusade as his avatar. Oh, that's bizarre. Indeed. 
I know you guys have mentioned it on occasion, but what are your thoughts on the pretty good Eureka 7 TV show and the not-so-pretty-good movie? As the show that really got me into anime, I would really like to know your feelings about it. Uh, I really enjoyed the TV show. I thought it was great, very underrated. Mm -hmm. Uh, The movie sucks ass completely and is garbage. (laughs) And uh, you can expect us to talk about it at some point in an anime spotlight. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more I can say. Um... I thoroughly enjoyed Eureka 7. Um, I do, once again, I, I kind of agree. It, it is possibly a little underrated. Um, hadn't seen the movie, but um, after some of the things I've read and heard from people, um, I would definitely probably would see it for Anime Toilet. That's about it. So We could do a double feature. First the TV show in one segment, then Anime Toilet the movie. Nice episode. <laughs> we could add Prince of Darkness. Oh, for, uh, we could do that too. For uh, um, <laughs> movies that never should have been made. Hey, man. <laughs> Damn. All right, oh boy. All right. Gentlemen, we are now up to page six. Oh. We've hit September 2010. Awesome. So this question um, Current month. comes from Depth Charge, who asks, What are your thoughts on American entertainment being a soft, weak, and pathetic? Do you believe America is being too political correct in the cartoon-making business? Also, what are the chance a show like Ren and Stimpy, Beavis and Butthead, or even a good show like Eon Flux being made in this time period? What? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. soft and weak and pathetic. What are you talking about? Well, I don't think animation in America has the edge it used to have. Like, you, you notice in the early 90s, there were shows that were taking chances. Like, um, you know, Liquid Television. Perfect example. That show, that, that show was on MTV, so you expected it to be edgy, but, you know, some good stuff came out of it. Um, you had shows, even Disney was taking chances with Gargoyles. And you had, um, of course, Batman, the animated series. They were doing things in that show that you never thought to expect on a, a show that was, showed, uh, that was aired during... Um, you know the afternoons on a on a weekday and kids were watching so you know there, there were there was a time where a lot of animators and a lot of producers were actually doing things that were you know a little bit taboo i mean the fact that you know the fcc would step in and say hey you got to um, you guys got to edit these uh these 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 things you intend on doing in this episode down or are you know standards and practices would would get on their case sometimes when they were producing these shows well, just blame janet jackson <laughs> she was the one that started it. Yeah, yeah, she um she kind of did f things up um so. when it comes to um TV shows nowadays. But yeah, I, I haven't really watched um cartoons nowadays to see if there are any that are taking. The only thing I can like remember that did. that's within the last like couple of years that's even kind of edgy like that was Invader Zim. Yeah, but I think it's so. What happened to that show? I think what problem and it I got think, canceled. Yeah, I think what the problem is is it, these are shows that get popular with the um, a, a different demographic mm-hmm. than the one that they're actually is intended for. So maybe that's maybe that's the issue with it. I don't know. But we've also live in an environment now in the United States where the uh, the voices of the few outweigh the vo- you know the needs well, of the many. Yeah, the, the reverse Spock. So you know the, <laughs> those one or two. Uh, there's one or two people in Topeka that got pissed about uh, Janet Jackson's boob. Now everybody's got to, you know, be, um, you know, very uh, puritanical and all that. So, yeah, whatever. So, Chris. All right. Uh, um, another question comes from uh, frequent listener Furious Rodimus. Hey, hey. Who says, if you could enter into an anime and hasten the death of one character, who would it be <laughs> and how would you do it? Cots. By the same token, whose death would you try to prevent and how? Uh, cots. Um, I would. I would go. How, in. how would you kill cots? Um, actually, I think I would megazone him. Megazone too. <laughs> I'd bring. A, I'd bring that monster so it could do what it did to that captain in megazone. 
Um, and then, <laughs> the, the texture. And then I and then I grab the and then I collect all the pieces of cots and then put them in a blender and then shoot that and then and then put that on the um, the transport and endless waltz that was going to the sun. So, and who I would prevent from getting killed? Uh, probably poor Odolo. Um, maybe um, maybe even though uh, even though the general hate me for saying this, Shirley. I just want to give oh. one to the general because yeah. he he, was, he likes Shirley dying. Um, and um, doesn't he not like dying? <laughs> I would I would have kept Mula Flaga dead though. Oh, so yeah. I would have uh, gone into special edition and and uh, and and grabbed his helmet and put it back into space. <laughs> You'd have made with his, his head death. still in it, with just to head. make the point clear. <laughs> yeah. You'd have found some way to make his death like, more grandiose. With his, tongue, with his tongue sticking out and his eyes glazed over. I would do what Solber requested at Char's counterattack. I would actually show the inside of the cockpit him getting <laughs> him getting selled. So, um, who else would I, uh, would I want to save? Um, um, I don't know. Um, can't really think. I mean, I think we said it when we've talked about other things. Other people I'd hasten their death. Um, Katagina. Uh, I would probably hasten her death. <laughs> but she um, didn't die. She didn't. Uh, that's true. <laughs> I'd, I'd give her death. Um, You'd have her die instead of Odalo, basically, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's replace him. <laughs> <laughs> you shot yourself. <laughs> but um, that's about it, really. I mean, Kotz is, okay. Kotz is the most hated. Kotz is the I actually, I would have killed, killed him in MSG. Oh, man. <laughs> Damn. Damn. I would have I had him sit there with uh, Frabo, <laughs> Frabo's uh, grandma and stuff. <laughs> Just get taken out by a stray bullet during yeah. the Xeon raid on yeah, the white exactly. base. Even... I was like, they killed Kotz, thank God. <laughs> He doesn't grow up but he was a sweet little kid. Up anyway. If you only knew, <laughs> that that would be that that'd be something from Gundam Sose, I think. Oh man, that would, oh wow, <laughs> but, that, be, uh, that would fit in there. All right, uh, my answer, my answer is real short and easy. Um, off the first frame, it's Shark's counterattack. The first frame, just have some stray bullet come out of nowhere and murk um what, Quest Pariah. Just for no reason, just as she's running with them kids in the in the ghetto, just blast. I was like, "Hey, I'm oh, cool Chan. with that." Yeah, don't, don't kill Chan. Oh, or you could just have uh, Manhunter beat her down with uh, their nightsticks. There you go. Yeah. There you go, man. That, that, and and all would be right with the world. I'd save and... the guy that crashed into the rail rock. This one's a rail rock. <laughs> as for my <laughs> as for my character to save, I would have uh, loved that Tamina would have gone with his original plan and have M Machine still live at least long enough to be in Double Zeta. To die in Double Zeta. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Whatever. <laughs> why am I not surprised? Why, why would you, what would you expect? <laughs> what would you expect? But Chris, go for it. Okay. Um, who I would kill is Kotz. How I would do it is... Uh, the part where Amaro is slamming that plane into Braun, mm. I would have him jump out of the plane and forget to tell Kass that there's the glider for him to escape in. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and then just later be like, sorry, Hayato, sorry. Hey, Stuff hey, happens hey. in war. Yeah. Be, like, be like Black Dynamite, cream corn, no! <laughs> Leave him in the airplane to die. So who would I save? Uh, I would save Odello. I'd have him stab that bitch first and blow her up. Nice. Mm -hmm. We have a question from someone we haven't heard from before, Ace Attorney Gundam. He says, knowing that Gundam X is set in an alternate timeline or what if situation, what are some other alternate timelines you might like to see? For example, what if Char had been successful at the end of Char's counterattack and had dropped Axis on Earth? 
Who would fill in as the new leader of Neo Zeon? Would the war continue? Would other colonies eventually fight Neo Zeon? Maybe we could even jump forward in time from here and still have Cosmo Babylon from F91, but fighting against the Jupiter Empire. Please feel free to use any Gundam universe or even other mecha shows. Ranka dies on the attack on the 117th fleet? <laughs> oh, that would have been great. <laughs> Man. That'd be neat. Uh, I think Neo's I'll tackle this one first. Macross Frontier, greatest anime ever. <laughs> Having um, having recently concluded uh, my reviews of Gundam Wing and Endless Waltz, I was thinking to myself that it'd be interesting if the show had been about the real Operation Meteor. <laughs> How different that would have been. If the very first episode of Gundam Wing is dropping a space colony on Earth and the five Gundam Wing boys, but substituting the real Troa Barton in there, are sent to, to commit like mass slaughter with their Gundams and take over... Uh, the Ravaged Earth. That would have been a freaking awesome show to see but the, if that had but, happened. But the Gundam's the hero suit, so that's probably why they didn't do it. I guess so. I would have liked to have seen that. I actually would like to see, and I, I think it's because I kind of like the character. I think it would have been a little bit cooler at the end, and I know it's, it's hard to say because the show got canceled, but the en- end of MSG, even though it's very cool how Shar kills Kashiria, uh-huh. I think it would have been cool if she would have escaped because it would have kept that thorn of Zeon maybe in a little bit different way. And, you know, maybe you could see more of the infighting of Zeon because, you know, she always was a little bit different than what, you know, Garen and them wanted. And um, maybe yeah, that'd just be kind of neat if she showed up seven yeah. years later in Zeta instead of Haman. Or, 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 and she's the one calling all the shots. Or, yeah. or, they're both, or they're both together and maybe just Haman is just like, at the end, it's like, I can't deal with what you want to do. And I, I don't know. I, I, I think... Killing all the zombies, yeah, it was nice and clean, and it was cool that Char got his revenge. But I think in the end, it would have been nice outside of Merneva to survive a baby. It would have been nice to see her, you know, get, escape somehow. That would have been very interesting. And, um, you know, so that's kind of my maybe what if. Not to spoil too much of okay. the... Uh, <laughs> no problem. Uh, not, not to spoil too much of the... Uh the ending of the novel i always wondered what became of the universal century at the end of uh mobile suit gundam the 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 novelized version the way it ends you know is 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 freaking epic and um you know things play out differently with with you know sharp going back to side three and taking his uh taking his rightful place and and the way he eliminates kashiria and um and giran you know is just is something to be something to be just experienced when you read that novel but the fact that you know he and um he and Bright join forces towards the end of that book, and you know they end up you know teaming up. And Bright ends up working for you know Zeon in the end, and the rest of the white base. You know, working the defect, with, I would say for true working with, but they pretty yeah. much they they team up with Char at the end of that. I'd like to see where that would have gone to into the um the years of Zeta, or there, would there even be a Zeta Gundam because of that? It ends so differently from the TV show that I, I'd kind of like to see like a continuation of that um that universe as opposed to uh, into Universal Century. As a, as a as its own series, if anything. Okay. Uh, our next question comes from Rygens, who asks, "What do you think the future of robotics will be in ten to thirty years' time? Do you think we'll see giant bipedal mecha in some form that will become integrated with human society at all?" Man, I, I, I will say that uh, bipedal robots will be um, amusing pets and sex slaves, or both. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, the only thing I can really think about it is, and I, I've, I've I know they've already tested it military-wise, but stuff like uh, the ATs, the nightmares, and things like that. I, I, I'm sure 
it wouldn't surprise me in 30 years you might see that as like remember how like when the stealth fighter got unveiled you know they're like oh this is we've had this for 20 years but yet we're finally going to declassify it you, you sometimes wonder i mean it's kind of, that's kind of the conspiracy theory thing but also it just seems like the next kind of evolution of um you know warfare because i mean they're even you know i've seen things on tv where they're talking about like all the integrated body armor and integrated weapons that um you know like these rifles like the next gen automatic rifle for the military the u.s military it's all integrated to their body armor and everything yeah. with like computers and stuff so um yeah i mean i don't think you're gonna see a, a big red uh red white blue and yellow um rx-78 only in japan um but you know um i it wouldn't surprise me if we saw stuff like uh the ats and even the armor strikes from uh was it blue gender so you know that that, that would make sense um, seriously, for a minute, I would say that uh, I don't really foresee um, you know much military application for bipedal robots. I mean, we yeah. do have things like you know unmanned predator drones, and I foresee we'll be seeing more things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that I see more likely happening is um, bipedal robots being used as uh, construction tools, like yeah. you know, kind of the way you see in pat labor or. You know, starting at least on a smaller scale, like the uh, the power loader from Aliens. Yeah, that's really that's really the future that I foresee. I can I can see those being more useful in um in zero g or or lower g gravity um environments than in here on Earth, to be honest. Because um, I know um I've 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 had this the, I've I've read this in 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 novels and whatnot. Or um, I there was a really good uh scene in um 20th Century Boys. You wouldn't think it'd be in there, but they talk about uh building a giant bipedal robot and the scientist there says are you insane that's not possible because because <laughs> of the fact that the gravity on earth you know you know makes the physics of that just nonsensical to have like a giant sized robot like gundam on on the planet so I don't you know, yeah it's, i don't think yeah. it's impossible i just don't think <laughs> yeah. it's practical um, i mean i i'd see more of its application in in cybernetics like powered suits you know the like like powered yeah. suits that are power armor that um military soldiers would wear so that you know have a more of an advantage in the battlefield than um, bipedal robots, at least when it comes to its warfare applications. Um, when it comes to construction, though, I you know I could see them building a space station on the moon and using a uh, you know robots in order to to, to well, make the work easier. You'll be seeing the Chinese build that. They probably be so. The United States. <laughs> that NASA's about gone, so don't. Uh... Damn. Well, I I, I I could see that happening in in that respect, but yeah, not not on Earth. I don't I don't think that um I don't think that we have that kind of technology yet. But I could be proven wrong. I'd like to be. Hey, you never know what they have. Could be proven wrong. Oh, always. Always. Often. <laughs> uh, Rygens also asks, what about the obvious difference in perception of robotics between the East and West? In the West, it seems like robotics is seen as no more than a tool to merely aid humans in tasks. Where in the East, particularly Japan, robots have a much deeper meaning. Why? Because the, a year ago they announced a robot you can have sex with in Japan. I think that says it right there. Person comes for everybody. Yeah. Well, it it just comes down to the whole thing of like um, you know Gundam and stuff like that. I mean, there's just it's been in that culture for so long when it comes to robots as being um, not only like artificial intelligence, but also you know the future of like warfare, or construction, or whatever. So mm-hmm. I think that. The West sees it more in as tools, and I think the East, from what it seems like, sees them in a way of maybe enhancing society as a whole. 
instead of like building things or destroying things or something like that. That's just my perception, not only with that sexroid, but like mm-hmm. they, they had that thing a couple months ago where the, um, uh, the robotic teacher, where they have that robot that can actually, it was actually teaching like lessons to children yeah. and stuff. So I, I think that's, um, that's, the, that's where the difference lies. The West sees it as tools and the um, East sees it more as uh, a betterment of, of society as a whole. Yeah. So, there's, a great, there's a great deal of um, research going to uh, robots helping the, uh, the elderly in Japan, too. I know that they're making, um, making strides to have companions for the elderly that are in um, nursing homes and whatnot. And they're trying to create robots to, uh, to help with I gotta their daily... I got to go pee. Yeah. I mean, it, that, that's what it comes down to for their daily, uh, their, their daily, uh, their daily functions and whatnot and helping Unzip to take care of pants. them. What about a, uh, a crazy robot bed like Rujin Z? There you go. There you go. That, that, that's the future right there. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so guys, we have, we have one, well, we have a couple of questions left from just one person, and this is it. And, and don't be too surprised by this, but these questions were asked three days before we recorded this episode. Oh, my oh. God. Try, try not to be um, scared by the recency of these questions because I, I know that we're used to uh, things that are stale and... and months old but we uh, deal with the past yeah yeah so these questions they come from uh mulaflaga okay and uh first he asks Solbro mentioned during anime spotlight that he watched the dub of gal gygar were you as in all of the gundam crew disappointed the dub was canceled halfway through the show what were your opinions of the dub i also wanted to ask if chris wouldn't mind shedding some light on the situation for the dub's cancellation i have heard all sorts of rumors as to why from voltron nostalgia to low dvd sales and bad distribution etc so Solbro, why don't you go first yeah, I, I watched the um, I watched the dub all the way through until it it, it stopped in the halfway point. Um, does I, it stop like exactly in the halfway point? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Like the first the first DVD half, the the, the first box set. Yeah, it, right there in the last DVD is the last part of the dub. When you get to the second half, it's straight Japanese all the way through. That was the best twenty dollars I've ever spent at Best Buy. <laughs> They wanted to get rid of Gal Gygar so quickly that they had both sections in um, at for ten bucks. Wow, it was amazing. I'm sorry, I slept on that for certain, but I enjoyed the dub. It was cool hearing Dean Venture voice um guy, <laughs> and all these voices from that I that I knew from the original dub of Pokemon coming in there. You know, it, it just it's like wow, man, that's Ash's voice. Oh man, that's Misty. What the hell? <laughs> but no, it was it was um I I thought the dub was um I thought it was um it was well done. Uh, you know, they brought a lot of enthusiasm to the project, and it was very fun to watch with the dub. Uh, I didn't make the um, original audio track any less um, inspiring either. You know, watching the second half of the show in Japanese was a lot of fun too. Took a little bit of getting used to, but it that took about an episode, and I was fine. But yeah, the dub was 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 fun. I'm sorry that it didn't continue the whole way through because I would have loved um, seeing it go all the way to the end. Okay, uh, Neil. Um, I or have you already said? I, what you need to say about uh, Gal Gygar? I didn't. I never watched it in the English. I just, um, you know, I saw it originally in Japanese, and um, I'm sure the the dub is good, but just the emotion <laughs> and everything in it. I mean, it it, it would be tough. It's, um, you know, it's it's. I kind of nobody in English could ever top Nobuyuki Hiyama. Yeah, I just. I mean, I don't know. They just can't air. Yeah, it, it's just. You know, and it's nothing against it. I, I'm sure if it was finished, I'd probably watch it in that way. But I definitely, um, I definitely really have nothing to say about the dub. I can't confirm or deny it being good. <laughs> so okay, um, I started watching it in Japanese 
before it was licensed and yeah. um, finished it with the DVDs. So because of that, I never watched the dub, so I can't comment on it. As far as the dub's cancellation, uh, it's pretty clear we all know that it did not sell. Uh, surprise, surprise, a you know, 10-year-old show being sold in individual volumes is not going to sell well. I guess yeah. they didn't learn the lesson from ADV and Dunbine. And um, supposedly at the same time when they were releasing Voltron, Voltron obviously was selling very well from the nostalgia, so it wouldn't surprise me if they took resources that were being devoted to something that wasn't selling well and then reallocated them to something that was selling very well. That's just the natural flow of business. So Mm -hmm. there's nothing really too surprising about the cancellation of um, Galgagar's dub. It's just simple economics. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I got got both sections for 10 bucks at Best Buy, so it couldn't have been selling that well. Yeah, they just yeah, wanted that stuff out of there. Yeah. Cleared it out. The last question from uh, the man who makes the impossible possible, he asks, this is more a question of do you have any favorite doves of some mecha anime series, like Gundam ones done by Ocean, Bandai, or ADV, Funimation, Ocean, and Bandai have all dubbed and released. So mention your favorite dubs, please, as well as a bad dub or two. Also note, if you want to mention bad dubs, Robotech is banned from selection choices. <laughs> well, we don't, yeah, we don't have to go with... Um... With Robotech, I mean, if you want bad dubs, um, uh, Seed and Destiny are pretty bad, except for a few characters. I mean, um, yeah, though they're the <laughs> the worst, the worst person. I mean, I haven't watched the dub of Destiny, so I don't know if any of the Destiny characters sound like. But in Seed, one of the absolute worst is Kigali. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, so emotionless, so wooden. Like, like the actress yeah. is just reading the lines and not even putting any effort into it like oh my god it's just like so bad but then there's some great people you've got moo he's good yeah. rolla crusade was ridiculous. rolla crusade is so creepy yeah i mean that guy is amazing that's one of the best pieces of gundam dub casting ever i'd say him and trays the guy that did trays because even man. though Tra- our pal um uh sashomaru sashomaru <laughs> david david k the good one david yeah. k I mean, <laughs> oh. I I love I love his uh, uh, Trey's speech when he's talking about God when he's in front of the foundation oh. and all that, and he's just you know posing around. And once he's done, he just flinks. He just kind of tips his wine glass, and all the chicks mm. are like, "Oh, God, God would approve of yes. the steps we're taking." Yeah, it's like, <laughs> man, this is so good. Damn it! Why do you have to disappear for ten episodes? Ooh. I'll tell you a bad mecha anime dub. Go for it, Escafloni. Yeah. Oh. MD Geist. Another ocean classic. <laughs> MD Geist and MD Geist 2 colon Death Force. Hey man, don't, for, don't forget about... Um, oh God, we were just talking about it too. Um, yeah, MD Geist. But, oh, uh, Macross 2. Yeah. Greatest dub ever. <laughs> Not really. It's, it's, it's funny because I was... <laughs> I showed... I showed Pedro uh, some clips of of Dennis Mm -hmm. the other day in English because um, when he watched Macross 2, it was in Japanese. Right. So he didn't quite understand the context of what we were saying. And uh, when I actually showed him uh, all of those clips of like, driver, keep this thing going straight and you don't know the meaning of the word culture. (laughs) Do you think the Earth's culture is the best? He was just dying. Oh, my God. So... um, Good mecha dubs, on the other hand, I would say um, Eureka 7, yeah. I thought was a very good dub. Yeah, it was. It was the rare 50-episode uh, Bandai mecha series dub mm-hmm. done by animes. Yeah. Wow. Instead of uh, Ocean. Ocean, yeah. Usually they get tasked with that. Uh, Ghost in the Shell. Yep. 
mean, Golden yeah. Shell is is a fantastic dub. Heck yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's like I mean, I don't know. You, you just sit there and it's like you you can't really um you can't really think of those characters being voiced in any other way because oh. it's it you can just tell that that the people that are doing the acting they truly enjoy they're fans of the show themselves so you can you can you can definitely kind of feel that so i really enjoyed the dub for um die guard you know i thought it was very funny and very entertaining yeah. uh, and it was just very energetic and adv did a really good job on that um gosh other mecha dubs i i really dug the dub for um argento soma also especially yeah, when solid. you have richard Kensico, richard cansino as the voice of mr x uh king gainer is yeah. pretty good too king gainer is very good yeah. Um, Gundam's for... dubs have ranged from bad to mediocre to good. Mm-hmm. There's none that really jump out at me, but um, I will say that um, Unicorn did catch my eye as one of the uh, better, better Gundam dubs in mm-hmm. uh, you know this last decade. The original MSG is pretty good too, the first Gundam one. But and especially when you have to go to like uh, Shars Counterattack and everybody's a little different, right? Um, you know, I like the guy that did Bright originally. Yeah. Um, the and the original Shar, um, you know, is he the greatest? Is it the greatest performance? No, but I think it's it's pretty good for what it is. Yeah, Chris um, Calhoun and Michael Kopska, I think. Yeah, respectively. Yeah, I mean, um, what were you guys' thoughts on? Because um, I know this is one that's got mixed reviews, but Evangelion's dub was a dub that you know a lot of people said it was the one of the worst dubs in history, and other people are a bit more lenient on. I think it's pretty good actually I really didn't have I much mean, of a problem with it say for some voices but i think it's all right nothing to knock my socks off yeah i just i i hear, I hear passionate debates on how bad it is and how good it no, is no i don't so. like that they i like the guy that was original gendo better yes. than new <laughs> gendo but i didn't think it was like the the worst thing ever yeah oh i'll tell you another one that i thought was kind of meh i didn't watch the dub through the whole way but um nadesco's dub oh tries to be like too off the wall and loud and annoying a little bit yeah it, it to the point where it's like grating on the ears which is not surprising since um that's that was adv style like if a show was like kind of funny or wacky or goofy yeah. they would just like overdo it with the dub too much to the point that they're killing the enjoyment of the series you feel that uh, full metal panic yeah i was gonna ask same you kind of way the same thing with full metal. exactly the same thing exactly yeah. Yeah. They, they really overdo it and it's overkill Especially uh, one, <laughs> another dub, uh, sci-fi, technically mecha, irresponsible Captain Tyler. Oh wow! Yeah, good or bad? Amazing dub. Yeah. Oh, wow. because you have Crispin Freeman as Captain Tyler. Nice. And is one of the best roles I have ever heard him in. I mean, he was just—he was born for that role. Even better than Captain Alex Rowe in Last Exile. <laughs> Haven't seen Last Exile's dub, so that's got a pretty good, decent dub. I mean, that's more cyberpunk or not cyber uh, steampunk. I'm sorry. Chris, did you ever watch uh, Gunkutsuo in English? No, I cannot. <laughs> it's, it's a good dub, too. I, because I, I it was because, mm-hmm. in the Japanese version, the Count is played by Joji Nakata. Yes. The yes. most some guys ever. Freaking smooth, old smoothie right there, man. How old are you, Card? You just, you, just, you just can't top that guy. You really I, can't. That, that guy is one of, the, one of the voice actors I always can tell right off the bat. When it would be profane to, to watch that, that series in English. Knowing that he's the voice in Japanese, it's, it's funny. funny. Yeah, most of the time, when when the dub comes along, where a character was voiced by him, they usually get Jameson Price. 
to be his English equivalent. I've come to notice that over the last couple of years. If Joji Nakati plays him in the Japanese version, they'll get Jameson Price to play him in the English version. He's, he's old smoothie too, but yeah, nothing can beat George. Nothing can beat George, man. I, that, that guy is just, he's standout oh, in any uh, show he's in. Especially Big, Code Geass. Big O had a pretty good dub. Like, yeah. the first season, I guess, is only in Japanese, or Japanese and English, but... The season two is too. Oh, is it's, it? It's all... That's it's pretty all. good. Because it had um, Slurpee Spike. Slurpee Spike. And uh, the guy that was back was really good. But, um... Cowboy Bebop and, um... You know, stretching at Cowboy Bebop and uh, Outlaw Star also very good dubs too. Indeed, I noticed we, we seem awesome. to be we seem to be mentioning a lot of shows from animes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess back and to not, uh, and not shows from Ocean. Yeah, <laughs> actually, you know, I will say not not to knock Ocean because the thing about Ocean is they can be really hit or miss. Sometimes they can do amazing dubs, and sometimes they can do good dubs and other times utter crap yeah uh this is definitely sci-fi so it does fit but uh ocean's dub um i'll mention too um their dub of jinro the wolf brigade mm-hmm. is amazing yeah really it's a fantastic dub i mean it is just pitch perfect for that movie and it's got lots of actors that you're used to hearing like michael copsa mm-hmm. uh, i hear i think brian drummond's in there at some point but it's it's a just a fantastic dub and it just fits the tone of that movie perfectly that is probably the best stuff I've ever heard from Ocean. Wow, I'll have to check that out. I could, uh, and go ahead. Also, as I previously mentioned in the last uh, roundup, they are dubs of the um, Ghost in the Shell compilation movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which While I just, different from the people that we're used to are also really, really good. I just watched Individual Eleven last night for the first time, um, the, the, the compilation movie for that, and they did, they did a great job. I mean, they, they tried their best to sound alike to the anime's um, voice actors, but um, at the same time, you know, they, 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 did, very, they did it very well. You know, I didn't, I did, it didn't seem too out of place when I watched it, because, you know, we we're all used to the uh, original voice actors for those characters, but very well done. But um, right. it's, well, it's funny. It's funny. Um, I can think of a ton of ocean shows that are not mecha related that had very good dubs. <laughs> but the, the the mecha related ones, they're hit and miss, just as you said. But yeah, that's that's all out of me. Well, uh, that wraps up this uh, second segment of all mailbag. So we are now officially caught up to the mailbag, which awesome. means, of course, that uh, you, our listeners, have to keep asking those questions because you don't have a six month backlog working to your benefit anymore. <laughs> but, but pace them out too we don't need uh, 25 for uh, the next two weeks each day <laughs> yeah so that uh, wraps up this segment and we'll be right back you're listening to Gundam at MHQ. A jackass. I'm with you, Bob. We talked this out. I don't see any need for that kind of language. Now, if yeah, you're going outside right now, I'll no, take both of uh, you. We're going to vote, right Alan. We're not going to fight. We're going to uh, vote. Let's vote. Let's vote, and then we'll fight. I'm tired of other anime podcasts being such a star fest. My plan was perfect, but there was one thing I overlooked. One factor I failed to calculate. He's a dumbass. I hate Narutards. Oh, my God. He's wet. And I'm sick of the giant Moe monster wreaking havoc in my anime city. So what's my solution? Make a better podcast than everyone else. Well, at least I try anyway. Join me, Josh Dunham, as I talk about my ideas and opinions about current Japanese music, games, and anime. 
You can find my weekly podcast at www.animation.blogspot.com. That's A-N-I-M-E-S-H-O-N. I review the new shows and manga coming out of Japan, as well as ye old goodies. So check me out. I'm only a Google search away at Animation. A-N-I-M-E-S-H-O-N. Hi, I'm Mitsugi. And I'm Hatake. And we're the hosts of Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast, aaapodcast.com. Listen up, anime fans. Do you find yourself spending tons of money on anime DVDs and merchandise? Wishing you drove a Gundam to work instead of your car? Singing J-pop music in the shower? If you do any of these things, you might be an anime addict. At the Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast, we have one mission, to turn your anime addiction into an obsession. We entertain our listeners with current anime news, celebrity guest hosts, hilarious discussion topics, and fair, unbiased review on current and past anime. Here are a few testimonials. I used to be a total anime noob. Now I know so much about anime that I can say, Spike was caught riding on a Tachkoma eating Poppy wearing a Hidden Leaf Village headband while looking at a foldout of Revy in a Death Note, and know exactly what that means. Now that I listen to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, I never have to watch a bad anime again. They watch them, so I don't. So visit us at aaapodcast.com and submit anime review requests on our forum and tune in on iTunes so you can always have the latest in news and reviews. So get obsessed with Anime Addicts at the AAA. And remember, we're here for you. Boy, it's lucky you had these cameras. Use them for smuggling. I never thought I'd be smuggling myself in them. This is ridiculous. Even if I could take off, I'd never get past the tractor beam. Leave that to me. Oh, I knew that you were going to say that. Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. We're rounding out episode 63, where it was an all-male bag special, where we um, answered and got caught up on our um, all the questions that... Um, are in the uh, mailbag, hosted by, of course, our postmaster general, Chris. And um, any any last words from you guys at all? Stop! Hating. I hate everyone. Stop hating on me. And you know this team, Coco Kachu. Stop hating on me. Me <laughs> and Conan are cool. Go away, Leno. Get a chin reduction. Oh, what? What, what's wrong? Come on. Now. Apparently, Jay Leno has joined the team here at Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> Not for long. <laughs> Chris will see to that. Why? Why you hating, bro? Why are you hating? You and your car collection, you you rich bastard. Jay Leno, you sound you sound kind of like Yoda. What's up with that? <laughs> Better take a buy half. Are we? Are you? Are you saying that that Jay Leno is Yoda, or that Yoda is Jay Leno? I don't know. What's Jay- the, what is what is Yoda? What is Jay Leno? <laughs> I don't Jay, know. Is, you might. Is Jay Leno really just Yoda in in a like a mannequin suit with wooden <laughs> peg legs controlling everything? Puppet he is, Jay. Puppet I am not, Yoda. Yoda squeezes into that big head. <laughs> you found no out one, my secret. No wonder the chin is so big. <laughs> but um, I guess just like we found out that Larry King is Emperor Palpatine, mm-hmm. Jay Leno is actually Yoda. The truth. So it would have been great to see them actually duke it out on uh, network TV. You never know. 
That's what the what the future might hold. Yeah. But, so who's Conan O'Brien? <laughs> he's um, Conan the Barbarian. No, In he's uh, no, he's got to be a Star Wars guy. Well, he's he's um, he's I uh, I don't know. He's what's his face? Chewbacca. <laughs> no. Well, kind of because he is tall. Hey man, he's so, man tall, man. Yeah, he's Chewbacca. With without without the hair, man. He's shaved yeah. down. Nice. He's a he's a shaved uh, ginger Chewbacca. There you go. So now we can understand him. But, knowing's uh, half the battle. <laughs> But um, real quick, uh, always check out the um, the website for the um, the Mega and Anime Headquarters, mahq.net. Also, gundam.net for episode listings and to download the latest episodes. Find us on iTunes and reach us by email by going to uh, gundammahq at gmail.com. Just send your messages there. And other than that, if there's nothing else, thank you for joining us on episode 63 of Gundam at MAHQ. We'll see you guys next time. Oh yeah, I should have known you'd be cooped up in here. You've got to eat, Amaro. You should take better care of your health. Amaro! Hello, Amaro! Hello, Amaro! You're looking very well today, Haro. Thank you, Amaro! You've got to hurry and get dressed, Amaro! Amaro! After I finish rewiring this computer... Don't you know about the evacuation order? Evacuation order? I heard a siren. I didn't know what... It's an emergency! Didn't you hear the military broadcast? A warship is docking today and we have to evacuate the sector! Why? I don't know! Amaro! We don't have much time! Alright already! Evacuate at once! We'll wait outside for you! Haro, let's go! What a pain! I must Gundam at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in MHQ production. Guess I'm seeing you around. A gift from France to the United States. The Statue of Liberty was completed in what year? Come on, I don't know that. You've got 15 seconds or you're out of the cab. Okay. I remember going to the Statue of Liberty Centennial because that year someone had spread a rumor that she was going to slip out of her toga. And I wanted to see some green boobies. And the Mets had just won the World Series because that night I was randomly attacked by a Mets fan that I had through a bottle at. That was 1986. And Centennial is a hundred years because centipeding means having sex with a hundred women. I got it. 1886. Yes, that is correct. Weighing up to four tons, what type of mammal is the famous Shamu? She is an orca, Benjamin. FYI, they're very difficult to keep in a home aquarium. Right again. I'm coming, Angie!